Beginning and positivity and life episode. One forty two. I messed it up. I messed it Yo, up. Let's it. restart. <laughs> one take. One take. Take. Yeah. We can't do any more. That ship is sailed. All right, we're here in episode one forty two. The what again? The new beginning and positivity in life episode. Hey. That's how we do around here. Uh, Unspoken words, episode one forty two in the mother loving house. It's getting toasty. It's getting toasty, real toasty. Yeah, but it ain't like Arizona hot. I'll tell yeah. you that, man. It's hot up in here, but plus my AC went out this week, man. Uh, I had a fan or something. Fan? Like no air at all. Man, I was sitting in drive through before I came down here, sweating bullets. Oh, my goodness. And then they're like, oh, your food's not done. Can you pull around? And I had to go, like, park right in the sun. Like, there's no shade. Then the lady, waiting for my burger. And then the lady sweating. said, the sweat up. starts dripping right here. Yeah. <laughs> Need to hurry up with his food. He's out there sweating. <laughs> Must be really hungry. He's out there having ceremony. Oh, oh, and do your hard Why are you sweating, sir? <laughs> this is how I pray. All right, all right, all right, all right. So over here to my left, all the way from L Jesus, he is number eighty-three in the place to be. The pod Gotti Randy B say Shoda. Shoda. Uh And over here to my right, all the way from Baba Nine No Nine No Nine No. He is your ace, your horn one, your favorite Indian, JCB. Say Shoda. Shoda. Ah, little big man. <laughs> and across the uh, way from no. me tonight, special guest in the house, all the way from Helena, by the way of Harden, Kevin Sandoval, a.k.a. Yeah, K Drive from the Geek Squad of Helena. Yeah, Queen so, City, straight up. Straight represent. up. Straight up. The capital. How, what's it like in the capital? Quiet. Quiet? Boring, but changed my life. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, change of pace. Yep, that's where I went to recover and been there ever since. Never looked back, huh? Never looked back. And I was All just, right. All right, we're going to get into that a little bit more. Yeah. Of course, you know me, Mo Hugs Not Drugs, all the way from up the road in Arrow Creek. Ah, hey. Ah, hey. Ah, hey. Ah, hey. Ah, hey. 
the big man. Uh-huh. So it's real good to be here. Feel like a hero. Again, a hero. Again. <laughs> All right, so I got an icebreaker for us. Tried and true. We're going to do the one where we go around and tell a story. Uh, we'll set the premise, and then Randy will kick us off, and each of us say at least one sentence, and then we'll get the story go around. We'll try to go around four times, four sacred times for each direction for all four sacred entities. <laughs> for each direction. Uh, who? For the four winds. Uh, who? Okay, so I was thinking, uh, premise, Big Sky State Games, of course, happening this weekend. So it's Big Sky State Games. What? All you have is your EBT card. 91st annual. Cash. 91st annual, is it? I don't know. (laughs) 100th annual. (laughs) Centennial. Bicentennial. Bicentennial Big Sky State Games. All right. Just wherever you want to go with that story. Okay. Um, It was Thursday night before opening ceremonies. Uh-oh. I was driving down Grand. Yep. Looking for where Desperados used to be. <laughs> but all I had was my EBT car. I was wondering, I can't live off of bologna sandwiches all week. I need some cash. So I posted a status on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing if any of those aunties would like some cash. But it wasn't cash they were after. They were after my loving. Not just one time either. It's all the time. It's <laughs> 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 uh, a good one. Good one. Didn't even went around three times. Three times. It's all right. That was good. Oh. All right, let's go again. Um, go ahead, JC. Give us a premise. Okay, premise is driving down Grand, got a flat tire. Okay. On opening ceremony night. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued, the story. <laughs> all right. Held up the traffic all the way to Central. I didn't know what to do, so I started weaving down cars that looked like res cars. And then it was my ex <laughs> in her big suburban. She looked hungover. <laughs> and her AC was out. And I told her this is why we never work out, because you always come back to your exes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she asked if you could take your kids with her, with him, with you. <laughs> And I said, all 13 of them? I don't even think four of those are yours. And you want me to take your man, too? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where to take that. (laughs) I was just saying, okay, then jump in, bro. (laughs) Jump in. He's my bro anyway. (laughs) Where do you want me to drop your man off at? (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up, get in Let's gossip about her (laughs) Does she still hit really hard? (laughs) (laughs) 
She still give me those wicked hickeys. That's too far. I got to ask our rating here. <laughs> trying to keep it PG thirteen. Yeah, I know, I know. I know I we're we not exactly that. on the red still. So you know, we lost that rating a long time ago. I said what I said. He did. He said what he said. <laughs> man, it is about to turn that back on. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Go for it. We'll just have to deal with it. Let's bring you a switch. I know. Oh, yes. getting you guys are going into the sun dance next week. <laughs> We're preparing. 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 Oh, it's real good. <clears throat> yeah, man, it's been crazy, though, man. Like, the past, like, this week, just, like, no, like, the fan or something went out in my car. Like, no air at all. So, it's been cruising uh-huh. with no, just my windows down. For the most part, it's been all right, but it was just that this evening coming down here. Driving down to the concrete jungle, man. It was, wow, it's hot down there. Does it get hotter? Can you feel the heat? Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like my neighborhood's like way up there by Skyview High School. It's always went breezy up there. Frustration just start rising. Hell, yeah. By the time I got down here, man, I was ready to strangle a street chief. My, my, my. It always seems like, it always seems like that, though. Like when they're like, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Like, like they say, like, even like... It's easy to compare something to them. You know? Oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like pick on them and then. Yeah. yeah. It's all JC's fault. Mm-hmm. Strangle him. <laughs> Stunt double. <laughs> so I know there's like, man, I worked on the streets here. Randy's worked on the streets here. Uh, the population that's out on the streets here in Billings, a lot of them are, you know, native. Are you, yeah. are you seeing that, any of that up there in Helena in the capital? Well, yeah, I think it's just kind of happening everywhere as more of the population. That's why I noticed working in the urban centers now, urban yeah, areas. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is rising. It is noticeable. And mm. Like when I come here for work, um, I see, see a lot it. more. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It just stands right out, like just screams at you, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's why I kind of really want to get into more of the work and, you know, coming across you and pass for work and everything and yeah, yeah, yeah. listening to what you do. Yep, I yeah. see it. Yeah, so seeing a lot more in Helena too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's like, well, just even this, uh, the system, the correction system, there's a pre-release center there, and that's my story too. That's oh, all yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just encourage people to utilize the resources there instead of go back home after they're done, you know? True. Yeah, I just, it's this week, saw a tribal member up there, you know, not going to say names, but you know, just yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Just, Out and about, huh? Initials? Can we get some initials? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, uh, no. I, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. Can't don't, do it. Don't even do it. You know? So you're doing some refing, huh? Big Sky State games. Which, yeah. which divisions are you refing? Oh, Basketball, right? Men's. Masters. Men's. Uh, oh, boys, you're a referee? Boys 11. Yeah, I'm MOA ref. Okay. Yep. So got the call up this week just to help fill in. Um, yeah. We got to yeah. bring him in in March during the tournament time. Oh, yeah. Or after... Yeah, so yeah, I've been refing for a long time, coaching and doing a lot of things with the Y, the youth up there. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, just the MOA has really been kind of after me. And finally, I just uh, talked to my wife, make sure we're all good to go. And just finally, last year, I jumped in and yeah, jumped right into it. Maybe did a couple weeks of middle school ball. And then after a while, like, they threw me right back in. They threw me right into high school. Graduated to the big leagues, yeah, huh? Double A, too. Yeah. How Dang, does that work? Huh? Is that like a level system then? Yeah, uh, just like anything else, it has its politics, but, you know, it's mm. it's great. I mean, it's a great deal. I mean, you find little groups you mesh with, and then, yeah, yep. Mm. Yeah, so 
a good mix of ball up there, Class A, Double A, um, Christian schools, Catholic schools. Yeah. Huh. Which you get one's like, paid um, the most, Christian or Catholic? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who talked the most trash to you, then the Christian or the Catholic school? <laughs> oh, let me see. No, I think I, 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 I like to say my experience has been good. Of course, the big question usually everybody asks is, What's it like being a native ref in Helena? You know, oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's been a good experience because like a lot of those kids I came up with from the from the Y, yeah, and I know the parents and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. So yeah, so it's been a really good. It's been home still. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels like home. They're just bigger and faster, and I realize I'm getting older and can't really keep up with them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. No, just like same thing with coaching, just in this in this city right here. Like I started out at the Y. And, like, I never thought about it until someone asked me, like, oh, how do you feel some kind of way? Like, you're coaching all these, you know, these white kids that are on your team, too. And I was like, oh, nah, I never even thought of it, you know? Yeah. Like, because I just, like, all right, put them through drills, get them ready for the game, and, like, play the game. Like, I never even thought of anything, like, they're white, I'm native, you know? I just figured I knew the game probably more more than they did, so I would step up and coach. And, like, they didn't know the game as well, so they didn't want to coach. Is how I just looked at it, but then someone asked me, I can't remember who, but same thing. How do you feel about coaching these these kids, these white kids? And I was just like, did the parents ever say anything to you? And I was like, uh, no. It's been pretty chill for the most part. No. I don't know, but they better not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know one thing, like one of the big things, especially like around basketball, was that I I found crazy was that like, uh, these white folks, they scream and yell at the refs, too. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, huh, I thought this, that was just us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're, like, they're just as crazy. Because um, like, I guess we were never really sitting by them at games, so we don't know. Mm-hmm. They're screaming at the refs and stuff, too. It's not a racial thing. Yep. No. Yeah, it's a passion thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I noticed about like recovery. You know, I mean, even getting past that part, of my own in recovery oh. too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like no, it's just yeah. There's racism out there, you know. But yeah. at the same time, it's just like not really about color. It's just about comes down to behavior, you know. And these are some a lot of areas I've been in, and you know, it's just I don't know. Like when I brought in, you just try to mentor younger refs. That's the hardest part. I think just the the younger people are, are really been hard to bring in, and they don't stick around very long because of the. Behavior of parents, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the tough part right there. How do you guys deal with that, like, during halftime and everything, you know? Well, I think a lot of good tournaments are, if they're run well with good tournament, or tur- or gym coordinators, you know, like, we don't have to. Like, so there's a big Swiss tournament up in Helena. That's the big third grade all the way up to, I think, eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember one game I had, uh, I had two high school refs under me. I was mentoring in. Well, actually, one Carroll student and one um, East Helena student. Yeah. And so... Um, well, anyway, after like one of our games, a whole group of parents came up and they started apologizing. Hey, we want to apologize for our behavior. We're really sorry. And we're like, what? You know, we're like, what? What happened? You know, we're all kind of confused. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's oh, well, we got kicked out. And I was like, oh, wow, that wasn't us. We didn't, we didn't tell you. And I said, that's actually the gym coordinator. So that's the guy. I mean, like I said, a good gym coordinator will go around and police the parents. And so the gym coordinator took it upon himself. Like, he didn't appreciate that group of parents' behavior, and they had them exit the game. And we had no idea that went on as referees. That, so someone was doing that. Dude, so that's, that's cool. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to deal with it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, but, no, that's that's cool, man. That takes a lot of pressure off yeah, of you actually, guys. Yeah, so like third, like tomorrow at the, I'll be at, I'll be over at West High. I, I think I'm doing ninth and tenth grade. Okay. To start off, boys. Yeah. So my usually my first question is, I was like, okay, who's the gym coordinator, and, and then confer kind of pregame, just like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like any referee, like your partner, you pregame with them, but also the gym coordinator, you want to get on the same page with them, you know, like if, yeah. if I have a problem with what do you call it, do I talk to you? What do you want me to do? What's the procedure? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Say if I have an issue with a parent, do I just point him out to you or? Yeah. But like I said, but gym co- <clears throat> But I've been noticing that more lately. There's been really good gym coordinators out there that that have been assigned to the gym and they police yeah. the parents. No, man, that's cool, man. So, Sky State games. <clears throat> is that at, like, every, like? so you're talking about these um, independent tournaments, right? Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, like jamborees and stuff, yeah. But, like, so if you were doing a high school game, they don't have gym coordinators, like? It's usually the AD. It has to be the AD. Oh, okay, yeah. so he'd be the one that would, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And and do you have, like, conversations with them, too? Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, usually the AD will welcome, uh, let's just say, I always give praise to East Helena. High school, yeah, yeah, yeah. The new class A school over there, and actually, they they're joining the Eastern A again. So, Belling Central, Harden, everybody's gonna be going okay. to play ball up there. So, cool. Kind of pretty excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that'll be cool. Yep. And so, um, no, yeah, like, but the AD, that no, they took care of the refs. The ref room's awesome. They stock us with drinks, waters, Gatorade. How does that work? Yeah, they give you like a whole green room, chill. You yeah. guys get a TV? Yep, not about TV. No, but it's just that. Yeah. <laughs> no to watch TV. The games, yeah, uh, yeah, just like your own little locker room, dressing room. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so, okay, <clears throat> I know I was watching this uh, thing about Cobfield, and the umpires, they don't even, they, they stay in their little room. So they don't, you know, really interact with coaches or players or even fans or anything. You guys do the same thing? Kind of, I don't want to say seclude, but isolate. So you're not having to deal with all that or no? Um, so historically, kind of watching how refs, you know, it's like once they're done, they're like, poof. Yeah. On. Yeah. And so there's moments where depends on who your partner is. We'll stay out there sometimes. And like, I don't know. I think maybe the culture is changing. But lot, for the most part, that's what you see about 95, 90. Majority of the time that the refs they're gone <laughs> after the game and yeah, you no know, like one game where actually like I said I always praise East Helena it's been fun there. Um, me and this other guy Dan, cool dude man, one of our big black brothers you know. But yeah we have a we have a lot of fun together you know and people really like us as a pair and yeah you know it's been really fun and but there was like one game where it was just a good game I think East Helena versus I think it was oh shoot I think it was at Deer Lodge. It's a good battle, you know, and after the game, it's like everybody, like, like normally we just leave, but then the coaches came up to talk, the players came up to talk, so we ended up just kind of visiting at the end of the game, and then oh, wow. it was crazy, and we all walked off as a pack, like coaches, both teams, and the referees, like we all oh, walked, nice. we all left the court cool. together, you know? Yeah, like yeah. it was a hard-fought battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so doing the why stuff, like, I don't know if you were the same, like when I, every time I was coaching basketball or soccer, you know, um, I always tell the one of the main things I have the kids do is go thank the refs. Oh, yeah. Go thank the refs, you know. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be more of that. I think soccer-wise, you see that, like, because I ref soccer, too. I coach soccer, too. Mm. And um, that's one of the things, like, you stay out on the field, and I have my associate refs with me. We stay there, and then the, both the teams will come up and thank you, the coaches mm. and all that, yeah. I think that's good. That's yeah. good, yeah. It's, it's, good, it's good sportsmanship, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um, <clears throat> no, I like that because, like, I guess, like, I've never told my players to do that, but I'll go, and I'll go thank the refs. When I'm coaching, say, hey, thanks for reffing, man. We couldn't have the game if it wasn't for you guys. You know, I tell them that. Uh, I've been doing that in, like, the past three, four years just because of, uh, especially, like, during pandemic, you know, we couldn't, there was no sports. Mm-hmm. 
So then, like, when we got back out there, I was just so grateful uh, that my kids could be back out there, that I could coach again. And so I started thanking the refs. Uh, even, like, if we got into some words, you know, get into a heated debate during the game because uh, I felt like they weren't making a certain type of cow. Um, but after game, I always, I always tell them, you know, thanks. Thanks for reffing. Appreciate it. Um, just so we leave on good terms. Now, I know back in the day, like you said, refs, I mean, even now, I guess refs take off. Like, I know back in my hometown, <clears throat> um, they couldn't have the high school there, playing crew couldn't have home games for, like, a number of years because, like, uh, people would jump the refs. Like, they go into their green room and beat the crap out of them and stuff. Dang. Um, so then they moved all their home games to, like, the shrine here for, like, about four or five years. Wow. That was crazy. Like, uh, I think <clears throat> mid-80s? mid Yeah. Early That's a 90s. foul. <laughs> but I done some refing too, just recently. Um, out on the res, and <clears throat> wow, it was crazy. I was just like, Whoa. I, I mean, these kids are ready to fight. They're right me and, like, took me back to, like, when I used to play back in the day, you know, like, growing up. And these kids were squaring up, ready to fight during the middle of the game. I was out there, no, no, knock it off, knock it off, you know. I just went right in between them, just pushed them both back. I don't even know I was supposed to do that or anything, but I just did. I said, hey, man, you guys want to fight, man, fight after this game. Let's finish the game. Let's, Let's finish the, the game. game first. Yeah, I shall finish the game. Run into any of that, like people trying to fight on your watch? Uh, not me, but I've seen, um, I've seen a parent go after a ref. Oh, on dang! Video man. on social media, whatever. Oh, those for the hell in the pool. Yeah, over on the hell in the pool. Yeah, actually, no physical altercation. So it's just, this is more about keeping them separated. Yeah. All right. Parent knock it off, and the partner was made sure the ref that was being. Talked. In question, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was uh, well, he just, they just made sure that there was They're nothing, nothing that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've seen some videos too. I don't know if you've seen them too. Um, and this AAU circuit, like refs are like they're throwing the first punches because they're like you know parents are coming out of the stands like are in the middle of games and the refs are like getting fed up in this AAU circuit and they're punching they're punching fans they're punching parents first. Did you ever see yourself getting to that point where you're socking a soccer mom? <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up, Karen, sit down. Huh. <laughs> knock you out. No, I think this setting the tone of like who's in charge and like the like authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like so, like when I went to her and what do you call it? One of the first things I just say when the season starts, especially younger refs are mm. even myself. Like, what I've done was just quickly within the. Sometimes they're like eight week seasons, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couple games a week, you know. Mm-hmm. By the first two, it's always happens. I mean, it never goes away. It's never going to go away. The behavior, you know. Yeah, yeah. But what usually I do is say I'll toss a parent first couple games. Oh, you'll toss one. Yep. All right, on. Yep. Yeah, I used to joke at the Y in Helena. There's a glass area. I used to call that the parent. Uh, oh, shoot, like a penalty box. Oh, the bit, yeah. So you can finish the game up there. <laughs> see the parent up there. <laughs> they go up there too. Yeah, no, yeah, they have your back. I mean, to say like just yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of it's really hard. Like, say you know, if you don't have a gym coordinator, then it, yeah, they're automatically going to put it on to you as a referee. You know, oh, but yeah. really, like we're just more like 
there. Like there should actually be like like the YMCA. I mean, that's like the director like stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that that. Honestly, there, there should probably be some person there, a staff member that controls all that. No, oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think, and then I see like in some of these, especially like three on three tournaments, they're just like they're asking people to come and ref that aren't actually refs. So then they're like they're barely blowing on the whistle. And the players can't even hear it, so they keep playing, and then they have to blow the whistle like ten more times before them, for them to stop the play, and then shoot the free throw or take it out. And then, so I find that annoying too. Like they don't take that authority over the court because <clears throat> I remember um, you were there, Randy. Um, yeah, Billy was playing a semifinals game up here at MSC Bell. Yeah, and that mom came onto the court. Remember? Yeah, and she was screaming at the ref, screaming at the scorekeeper. And that ref didn't stop the game, and those boys kept playing, and they almost ran her over. And she was like an older lady. Yeah. She's probably a grandma. Like, she almost got ran over by these 14, 15-year-old boys going full full speed. Full force. Full speed. And uh, <clears throat> So, like that, like a ref that doesn't take control of the game right away, that kind of puts people in danger. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. 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 Cause then that guy, he didn't really do anything after that. Still, uh-uh. like didn't like okay, hold up, you know, timeout, stop the clock, and then try to get it all situated. He just said, "Keep playing, keep playing." I was just like, "Whoa!" And that lady like walked through to all those players and came over and started fighting the scorekeeper. It was just like chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was crazy. Huh. Did yeah. you ever get one of these? <laughs> 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 Walking off the floor. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> cheers for me. It's more cheers and say thank you. No, um, honestly, you know, I said just like when you work up with these kids and a lot of them, like especially at the young age, you know, like instead of just being like that authoritative figure, like you start. Uh, what I usually tell like a lot of the refs like coming in, like they're doing like the third, fourth, fifth grade, mm-hmm. those areas. It's like you're kind of more educational approach. Oh, for then. sure. Yeah. yeah. You can't explain more rules and stop to explain things and everything like that. And actually, parents really appreciate that. And you know, yeah, yeah. But I think it said more there, more in the enforcement. Yeah. You know, my my boy started playing uh, basketball. He did the sixth grade up there. And here, uh, my partner I was talking about actually, he was we we're doing a middle school rotations that time up in Helena. Yeah. And here, uh, he was trying to just be helpful to my son. He was talking, "Hey, you can't be standing there for uh, the three seconds rule." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then after he kind of got, he was. I know what he was trying to do for my son, but at the same time, then after that, my son would not go in the box. <laughs> <laughs> just avoided the key. Huh? Just like, yeah, because uh, my buddy Dan, you know, he was just like, Daniel, he was just, he has this big commanding voice. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, when he reports, I mean, he could be all the way in the far corner. One, three, one, block. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just loud. I yeah, mean, yeah. You just hear it in the gym, and like, for me, I have to go up there and <laughs> <laughs> yell it. Yeah, so, so when he explained that to so that same voice, it's talking to a eleven or twelve year old. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel it was that. funny though. Yeah, afterwards we had to make sure he's like, "Oh, you're not in trouble, buddy." After the game, but yeah, yeah. After, but the rest of the game, he would not go into the key. <laughs> <laughs> Floor is lava at that point. Yeah. No, I did some umping too, just uh, for girls softball this past spring, mm-hmm. and that's what I would do. I'd just stand out there and I'd like, like a lot of them didn't understand like. You know, you got your foot on the bag, but if they're trying to steal that base, you got to catch it and tag them. Mm-hmm. They would just run up, catch the ball, and, like, touch the base. And 
Like, that was the main thing I was teaching them out there. I didn't even care which team it was. I was like, you got to turn and tag. I said, they're safe because you didn't tag them. I said, you got to tag them. They're still in the base, so you got to tag them. And just kind of break, just explain to them real quick. And then the next time they would do it, um, they catch them and they tag them. So that, I seen that out there. Like, nobody told me to do it. I just, like, went out there. It's like, man, these are little 9, 10-year-old girls. They don't, they don't understand the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, so I took that on and just, like, yeah, I seen that piece, and I was like teaching them out there. Yep, this is my third year rotating into a girls fast pitch shoe. <clears throat> yep, so yeah. my daughter plays it. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And a couple of years, I, I mean, like I said, and the short the, the official shortage is real. You know. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think not this year, but last uh, this year, at least for umpires, it was pretty good. <clears throat> but last year, like I think we had eight games. Yeah, that probably umpired five of our games. Oh yeah. And I have that experience being an ASA umpire, too. So it was, like, it was natural just to jump in, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. just it. When it comes to the kids, it's just like, jump in. Yeah. And then, yeah, usually like with some parents, I'd be like, if they start scolding you and everything, I was like, well, quit treating me with contempt. Hop in, help out. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all we're doing, you know? Like, just jump in, help out somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. True, true, true. Because, like, I, I was kind of shocked at how many parents wouldn't jump in. Because, like, I think <clears> – <throat> um, out of our away games this year for my daughter's team, I think we had eight or nine away games, and we had to provide a field up. I had to do six of those games because nobody else would step up. Like, I signed on for the They said, you need to volunteer at least two or three times. So I did that. The first two, three away games, I filled them because I did the ASA, mm-hmm. played in those tournaments where you got to ump the next game. Mm-hmm. So I did those tournaments before. <clears throat> so I had that experience. Anyway, so, Yeah. And then, like, games four, five, and six, like, the coaches are coming to the stands. Like, can somebody feel them? It's like, nobody else can step up. I was like, ah, damn it. All right, I will. I just want to watch. But here I go. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Like, people are, like, just sitting there not wanting to step up. Yeah. Uh, They'll sure put the energy into yelling at you. Yep. Pointing the finger. Posting online. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. This darn Native American doesn't know how to play this game. Now they're refing too. Now they're refing. <laughs> <laughs> Next, they're gonna be moving to my neighborhood. <laughs> All right, cool, man. You guys feeling warmed up? Yeah. All right, let's do this. And um, yeah, DJ, if you're ready, why don't you hit me with that beat? Yo, let's get into our topic. Yo, let's get into our topic. Uh-huh. We're on Unspoken Words, episode 142 in the house. We got Kevin Sandoval, and he's going to be on the hot seat. And, you know, just basically want to hear your story. And we'll prompt you in that way. JC's going to start out. And then Randy's got some follow-up questions. And then I'll come and hit you with some more questions. But, um, yeah, I always want to hear your story. And um, we'll help you along the way. So, with that, I'll throw it over to your favorite Indian. Take it away. Ha, ha, hey. Hit you with some questions. Mm. <clears throat> no, hit um, me, baby, one more time. Questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. You gotta, what a, you gotta, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, just why don't you go ahead and start from the beginning. Give us some of your background. Where are you from? You know, did you, how you grew up, that kind of thing? Yeah. So, like I said, we're kind of, we were chatting earlier. So, spent my childhood out in Beneda, no water country. That's where I grew up. Um, raised with, raised by cowboys. No, um, yeah, that's where I spent all my early years. Those were the best days. LG, baby. I was there when Elvis was ruling the court. Come on, let's yeah, go. Yeah, got to see all that, you know. <laughs> been there for all that. Um, shoot, but yeah, just living a life out there, you know. Just been drugged, kicked, thrown by horses, cows. Yeah. Uh, yep. All the men in there were all cowboys, roping. Did all that stuff at a younger age, but no, never... Never became a national champion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Never made it to the national finals, huh? No, nope, yeah. nope, just nope. Not even just maybe the bucking barrel. Hey. <laughs> the roping dummy, uh, yeah, roping, roping dummy, dummy champion. Yep, yep. Did you do the whole circuit? What's that? Nope. I think my what do you call it? I always tell this one story. We're racing back. We're changing some uh, pastures for some horses. Man, we're racing back one time in here. Coming full speed, and I was riding passenger. We dropped those horses off, and next you know, my cousin man, he ducked. Oh, we took. He he decided to take a shortcut into the trees. That guy, he, I was sitting there. I was like, "Man, where are you going? Why are you going this way?" Next you know, he I just as I was asking and talking, he just ducked. Next you know, I saw, Ooh. oh, boom, took one to the chest, man. That, that I did the same thing, Holy but smokes. but mine was remember those Dang. those wires, those braces, yeah, on a, a power pole, yeah. And I was trying to trying to I was went to water the horse, went to go back, and I all I had was a halter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I don't want to walk back, so I jumped on, tied the halter, up, started going, and then of course he's gonna take off, boom! And he went right in right underneath that little. And I got the same thing, mm-hmm. but then he stopped, oh, oh, turned around, and he came back and waited for me, and I was on the ground. Oh, can't that, breathe. Yeah, scary. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting there because I was like on the ground on my back. I mean, I came off that horse. Just was like a, I mean, you see a branch, just boom. Took me off. Yeah, yeah. Laying her on the ground, and here my aunt and her girlfriend, and you know Sam came back and shoot. There, I mean, I was just laying there looking up, and you could just see him like people like standing over me, like that yeah, was just this weird experience, you know. Uh, they thought I was dead. Uh, they well, thought well, I was dead. Yeah. Well, when I did that, I was out in the middle Dang. of the field by myself, but my dad was sitting on his couch, and he can. There's a mirror there, and he saw me in the mirror because his door was open. He got up and looked, but by then I already hobbled to my feet, and that horse, he came back, so I didn't have to run after him or nothing. He just stood there and watched me and waited for me to catch my breath, and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do that again. We'll walk. But, uh, hey. so, <laughs> so, did you die? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Felt like it at the time, huh? Yeah, I know. Like, they were freaking out, but when I came to, like, just like. I always think of that movie, remember Pulp Fiction, when they stuck that needle in the oh, yeah. That's what I did. I just sat right up and, <gasps> like, just this thick and fast And they were like, oh, my God. It was like, thought you died or thought you were dead, you know? And I was all like, man. And it was like, it wasn't crying or nothing. I was yeah. just thankful it was breathing again, you know? And they were like, man, didn't that hurt? I would have been crying. I was like, I want to cry, but I couldn't breathe, <laughs> Oh, you know? man. Yeah, but it was like, Ooh. I don't know how I was laying there, but they were just, like, freaking out, like, you know, like you get to see everybody up. Were you like just turning there. blue and everything? I don't know. I just I was probably ten, eleven. I don't know. Man. Oh, yeah. No, I was <clears throat> born in New Mexico. Um, member of the Navajo Nation. It was it's actually actually I've been kind of uh, going through a phase where you kind of start looking 
No, in sobriety, you yeah. pick up layers, you know, you start, yeah. no, that's like a family disease, you start finding out things that you didn't know, you know, like one yeah. of the things I I didn't realize, I kind of learned later on in my recovery, it's that um, my mother gave me away to a lady in, a, um, well, one of her aunts in, who lived in Long Beach, California, in that area, and so my mother came up here with a friend she met, she met um, her friend, up, or a member of the, the family we grew up with, and they met at Sippy. And they came up here to Montana. Oh, okay. And so later on, because I was born, like, I think my mother had me when she was still, maybe, I think literally, I, was, I, think she, I think she had me on her graduation night of high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, anyway, I came up here right before I was two years old, and that's where I've been. And so I was always close to my, she's gone now, um, Joanne Horn, my call at. Uh-huh. Yep, and so they always say I was naturally gravitated, so I kind of made some connections, like, because I was never really close to my mom, I was, but I was close yeah. to Joanne. Like early on, they say I immediately gravitated to her, and I, so I didn't get a chance to meet this woman yet. Um, over in, well, I was just down there. I was hoping yeah. to make that trip to go catch up to her and just say, "I say I think that's why because I was with this woman for almost two years." Oh yeah. And then when I came to Montana, I think, I think Joanne was her. Oh. Like my representation. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so always then so people remember me as this little Navajo boy that ran around with Joanne Horn mm. <laughs> in Lodge Grass. Yeah. yeah. Well, so huh. so <coughs> I, I grew up speaking Crow. I was pretty f- actually I say my family back then my aunts in that family they always say like, um, man I used to speak Crow just fluently now you don't speak it no more you know and yeah, I, yeah. I understand it still yeah yeah same yeah. here same yeah. here ah Navajo yeah Navajo yep that's what they always call me Navajo yeah. All right, so there's your nickname. When you're when you're uh, you're growing up, did you have any like um, exposure to drugs and alcohol? Did you know anybody in your family, oh, absolutely. your friends? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the thing was, it's like I knew early on that alcohol was bad. You know, I've, I've seen that it took family. It seemed that it took. I mean, a drunk driver killed a an aunt of ours. Like, you know, I I, I remember that at a young age. Yeah. But at the same time, I remember there was members. Probably the majority of the family didn't drink, uh-huh. obviously, because whatever reason, they just didn't do it. But there's a good portion of the family that did, you know. I remember actually asking uh, my grandfather, Forrest Alabacha, they'd ask, I'd, I remember asking him one time, like, why do they, why did they keep doing that? Oh, like a family member actually had survived the accident, car accident, uh-huh. and but then kind of still kept doing it. Yeah. So a lot of us younger kids were asking, so... People keep doing this. Why do they? They see that it happens to other people. Why do they keep drinking? Like them, or you know? Yeah. And it made sense. It didn't make sense to me then, but now in my own recovery, he said that. He said they keep doing it because they don't think it's going to happen to them. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, now it makes sense. Years later, especially yeah. as, you, as you get more of those ahas in your recovery, you know. So, what about your peers? Say outside of the household. Um, growing up there, yeah, yeah, it's it's anywhere really. I mean, wherever you. Well, it's just like going home. Like lately, it's just kind of been on a algae kick the past couple of years. Yeah, you know? like especially like my son, he started dancing and he wanted to dance crow style. So mm-hmm. yeah, we hooked up with some of the family here. My mother was really close to the Black Eagle family. Um, after we kind of moved to Harden later on, um, that's where I finished high school there. Uh, but like today, like going back, you know, like shoot, I was just like basketball been big lately, obviously. You know, I've been at a tournament, and people come up to me and say, hey, how you been, man? Long time no see, you know? And, like, before I 
I try try to quit pretending like I know who I'm talking to, you know. Yeah. But I say, I'm sorry, I don't I don't remember you. And then they say their name like, oh man, and you can tell that alcohol and drugs is pretty it's pretty prevalent still, and it has a you know a lot of my peers and classmates that from back home look a lot older than me, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. recognize them. Yeah, it's just yeah. Kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a trip, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, there's like the people dying too. Like I mean, yeah, it's pretty devastating. Yeah, epidemic. So, so then, uh, when when was the first time you ever tried it? First time. So not liking it, it's like seeing the what do you call it? Like, cause I remember tasting it. <laughs> beer. Let's just say beer. Yeah. That's the first thing I ever tried was beer. You know. Yeah. First time I ever tried it was actually Lodgegrass Powwow. <laughs> wow. Fourth of July. Fourth of July yeah. when they used to camp. Yep. Yeah. yeah that yeah, thing yeah. was that used to be big, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, Camps all the way around, man. I remember the the rodeo, everything up on top. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything at Aka was just hopping. It was just big, and I remember those guys had keys. I remember it too, Keystone. Mm. I remember just sipping it. And I just think it tasted like crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beer. Yeah, yep. But for me, I just at that time, I just don't think I got maybe. Yeah, I'm a recovering alcoholic, but at the time, I probably just didn't get enough to get the effect in me. Yeah. I just didn't like the taste. Yeah. I remember not liking it, probably, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. About fifth grade, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all those guys. And the, the thing is, like, even looking back at that moment, those boys that brought that stuff, I had it. Cut, or a couple of them are gone now, you know? Yeah. Yep. Because they were having fun with it at that age. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And so, with that being said, then when when do you think you... Really, really, really started to, um, I don't know how, I mean, you know, when did you feel like you, it started to be, you know, like recurring? with drinking? Yeah. Yeah, just blew up. Oh, Crow Fair for sure. Probably like a, actually. The same year? No, 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 no. <clears throat> a lot older. <clears throat> so, actually, one of the things I always did for a long time was just smoke bud. Mm. Yeah, because I, like I said, I was scared of alcohol because I've seen what it did. I mean, my mother was an alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, softball was a big part of our lives. My mom was very athletic, and mm. you know, they were always traveling everywhere. <clears throat> so <clears throat> me and my sister, we were softball rats. You know, We oh, grew yeah. up on the fields. You know, That's where we were. But I do remember it looked like they're having – I mean, everybody starts out that way, right? It's fun when you first start out in the evening. Once yeah. we call and once you hit that 11, 12, or past 2 o'clock closing, yeah. all the chaos is happening. You know? yeah. yeah, one of the things I always talk about, like the alcoholism – I grew up in and kind of looking at was like, I remember like at these big parties, I'd wake up middle of the night and there'd be a crying baby. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And yeah. I'd pick up that baby. I remember carrying that baby, a crying baby in the middle of the night with all people passed out everywhere. It's just looking back, it's crazy, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I just looking back and like trying to wake, okay, I found the mom and trying to wake the mom. And yeah, right. it's a trip. Yeah. Do you remember any right. of those babies? Do I? Yeah. No, I don't think so i think it's just one of those things like i try to block out so because like a lot of the well eventually i said a lot of bad or a lot of bad things happen yeah in the course of time but just comes to being a mist of alcoholism and, and all mm-hmm. that the ugliness that comes with it that no, surrounds it i think that's awesome i mean not awesome but it, it's kind of crazy because you're kind of talking about things i think previous guests didn't touch upon but kind of like with the reservation life right like with the with the parties and, and the multiple generations, like, passed out in those houses. Like, I'm picturing, like, a trailer house right now, mm-hmm. like, where everybody's just partying and everybody's passed out, and then all of a sudden somebody wakes up because one of the kids wakes up. 
like dog like can you explain like what like going from you know your first taste of alcohol to like waking up to a party like what was the process for you like where did what started enticing you about drinking I don't I think so I really probably didn't take my the full effect I was like a sophomore in high school mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe freshman dab a little bit. I probably smoked more weed then. Like I just like I said, it was just it was scary to me. Like yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So I remember I started this first time. I actually smoked bud was with someone's ex in here. JC's ex. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were hanging out with her back then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a crazy couple of periods because all my buddies at that time they were. A couple years older than me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Bertha's brother, you know. Um, but I was just thinking, like, yeah, like I didn't drink it because I. So, for me, it was like, yeah, I love the smoke, love the the munchies. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like asleep, you know. Like, what do you call it? Like, there was plenty of times uh, yeah. where like a lot of these parties would happen. Yeah. And I remember coming to. I wake up the next day and like, where's everybody at? All right. Uh-oh. Like you missed the whole thing. No, I missed the whole thing. I missed the cop bus. Uh, yeah. They just left me there because I was sleeping. <laughs> oh. Everybody's yeah, in jail. Yeah, people would just be mad, and my my bro Paul, man, he'd be like, "Man, just giving everybody hell. He just gave me hell." And this guy, man, just you know, <laughs> just like teach me, you know, yeah, just like yeah. So hey. yeah, but we, but then when those guys like when they got into high school, like, that was my crew back in. I was like a sophomore. Yeah. And those guys were all seniors, a whole pack of them, you know. Yeah, yeah, and so, but the first time I really got like the effect was at Crow Fair. Mm. Of my sophomore year, so I've probably been like ninety three. I was yeah. probably fifteen, you know. Mm-hmm. So by then, I said it was just pot up to that point. I remember trying to drink more, um, but then it was a uh, like I said, I didn't like the taste. Yeah, but I think what happened was back. Oh, uh, shoot! We got into those wine coolers, Bartles and James, and things like that. Same nights, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boone's Farm. Things like that. Things like, oh, yeah. everybody's like, From Sinclair's? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just driving by there today. Yeah. Like, man, Sinclair's. <laughs> it's way different now. Yeah. I remember when you used to have like a chicken joint in there. Yeah, KFC. I used yeah. to work in that casino right there, too. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was just talking about how we used to. We ran that place awesome, man. The casino. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, those three, three of us natives, they hired us. And they kind of. I think they took a chance. Yeah. <laughs> now we packed that place every night, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we knew how to use our tips, generate more money. Yeah, I just kind of know how to work the game, you know? Just, yeah. Yep. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah. But I remember I got enough booze in me. And then I remember I was like, shoot, just people talk about the bulletproof feeling, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you could do anything. I could talk to the chicks. Yeah. I could flirt, you know? And mm-hmm. just this whole thing went down. I remember they were teasing me because, uh, like, holy cow. I mean, Barry. Man, Kevin's drunk. Holy cow, Kevin's drunk. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, and after that, yeah, and I just took off after that. Once I got that, I don't know, a lot of different groups call it, I got that first effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. true effect, like, oh, okay, and then, like, every, all, I mean, it's, it's like magic, you know, like, yeah. All those conceptions and prejudices I had towards alcohol just, like, went, yeah, just right out the window. Yep. Yeah. So I quickly learned how. Then I quickly learned, like, what my medicines were, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember, I can't drink tequila. I mean, we did a big party one time with tequila. I went for it. And after that <laughs> night, I can never drink it again. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. Even now, like, if I think about it long enough, I'll start going, Bleh. Bleh. Oh, <laughs> man, just even you mentioning it just now, that made, made me, like, get a queasy feeling. 
So I know all about tequila, tequila. You said, yeah, tequila. Man, yeah. mine is like Southern Comfort. There's mine. One hundred percent. So cool too, man. Only liquor. I, well, it's not even considered like, it's a liquor, right? Or whatever they uh-huh. call it. Yeah. But anyway, that was the black was label. Yep. Yeah, the yep. black, the hundred proof one. Ooh. <laughs> I look like yeah. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the only thing. But after that, no, I mean, one thing I learned about like quickly was like hard liquor. It made me mean, and mm. people close to me really told me that, dude, you're you're an asshole. You're an yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I just like so I just it was easy to stop because I just kind of found my little mixes here. But eventually, I was able to start stomaching beer. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, like, you kind of probably got into that state where you're like, man, I better just chill out and just drink beer. I won't drama out. I won't fight. I won't be mean. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. How, how was the progression? How how was it like from barely drinking to, you know, the, the, to start coming to like an everyday thing? Not every day. Um, you know, like one of the things to look at when you, especially when you start recovering, like start, well, when you, you get to the denial of that when mm-hmm. I'm going to try to prove to you I'm not an alcoholic. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for me, because like, there was consequences, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, there was still so there's starting to be some consequences. Got an MIP once, but for me, I was always working. I I learned to work at a younger age. You know, I was always working. Little big man, telling yeah. little big man's in Harden. Yeah, worked there all through high school. You know, so I was, you know, because by then I was single mom. It was just me and my sister, and you know, like, and I knew she didn't have the well, single mom. Yeah, just provide the basics. You know, so I started working at a young age, provide my own money and everything like that, and yeah, so. Um, but the progression, yeah, like I said, I remember there was a few blackouts. Yeah. Not too, well, they're funny. <laughs> First one's scary. <laughs> yeah. Kind of come to, you know, look around like, well, one, like, holy, holy crap, where am I at, you know? Yeah. And you start looking for someone familiar, like, okay, who did I come here with? And like, oh, okay. there yeah. you are. Like, <laughs> How did I get here? What happened? Then you start asking those questions, you know, then it's mm-hmm. kind of a ha, ha, ha type thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. Normalizing in that. Mm-hmm. Blank stage, ha <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I Tommy Boyd it once through a through a table one time. Oh, was it glass too? No, it was wood. Oh, I pray. My bro was too cheap. Did it splinter? Did it splinter? Yeah, it was all. I was laying there still. Woke up. Like, like, was all like, he didn't even try to pick you up, huh? Uh, no, just left me there. I was yeah, like, like, what happened? He's all, oh, you Tommy Boyd it. Yeah. What was your craziest story then? Like. Like that you're willing out? to share, yeah, like blackouts. Holy, <laughs> so yeah, I always tell like some goofy ass, or what do you call it? So I'll tell a couple. <laughs> so like a blackout, you know, like I could probably count these, you know, like because I remember, like I said, there was very far and few. Um, my drinking career only lasted seven, eight years too, mm. and I've been sober twenty two years now. So I'm grateful, you know, and just, you know, like, so was it one time or, oh, I came to, came to and running. Ooh. We were running. (laughs) Same thing. I was looking around like, who am I with? Why are we running? What? That's the question I asked. Yeah. I saw someone familiar. My buddy Clarence was like, dude, hey. I go, why are we running? <laughs> <laughs> it was like pitch black. Right? And I think we're on, yeah, we're on a frontage road. Yeah, yeah. And then here, uh, and I was like, he was like, what? I was like, why are we running? And here we stopped. And he turned me around looking. 
that remember that pasture, the Sarpy Road. Okay. Uh, overpass, overpass to Sarpy Road. Uh huh. Yeah. Right outside of Harden. Yeah, on top of yeah. that, there was the car we were in. There was all the cop cars and everything. Holy oh, smokes! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we must have took off running in here. So then someone picked us up. There's about four or five of us, you know. <laughs> someone picked us up. And, you know, I was just sitting there and I was just like, you know, rum dum, like confused, you know. Yeah. But then you're like. Literally, like, there's those moments you're scared sober, almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're done drinking, you're like, this isn't fun, you know, and, like, you're, tr- you're trying to piece the yeah. night together. I remember we were sitting there, and anyway, my bud bro was right here on the side, and there was this girl, and anyway, this girl kept, like, hitting on me, like, what are you calling yeah. a fight? I remember telling her, like, I was asking this guy questions, and I kept talking to him. Anyway, I kept pushing this girl off, and I finally said, dude, I go, who is this? <laughs> you know, and he was just like, What? I was like, he was like, you've been with her all night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Look, that was just awkward. No, I was like, nice. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah. Yeah. I was like, can you? I was like, could you guys just take me home? <laughs> get home and then the girl like get out and I was like, bye. And she like, we even released. She even gives me a kiss goodnight. <laughs> like, Talk to you later. You know, like, I didn't know who she was. You know, like, just a- <laughs> <laughs> Did you kiss her back? No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You stopped it on. There was another time too. Back, back in, <laughs> <laughs> man, it was another time too. There was a. Wow, we, oh, it was my actually it was my birthday, and we started out. My one of my I was actually working at the. I think it was the Far West. Mm-hmm. Anyway. My buddy from there, his, they owned that actually, the Far West, and he took me out. And anyway, there was that, I think Little Bighorn College was having their graduation. Yeah. And they had that big, what's that big place that used to be right in, remember there was a bar and everything inside there? It was like a big dance hall right downtown. Where at? In Harden. Oh, I don't know. The 90s? Was it Wagon Wheel? No. Oh, no, further down. Wagon Wheel. Right, right at the end of the street. Yep. Um, Saloon or something? I don't know. I, I, know huh? I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember <laughs> the name. <though. laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we're in there, and, man, it was just hopping, and, was, man, it was a lot of fun. And Well, anyway, I got hammered fast, you know. And, mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I came to. <laughs> I came to, and we're out at a place we used to call Jurassic Park. So you guys know. I don't. I don't remember that place. You don't? Uh, uh, Star Wars? I don't know. Corner Pocket? Nope, it was in Crow. Oh. oh, you know, look at that, that smile. Yeah, we used to call it Jurassic <laughs> Park. Everybody go there. Uh-huh. People who at their costas. But anyway, I won't go any further with that. But <laughs> anyway, I came to there and I was sitting in the back seat. And then my, one of my bros, their brother and sisters, man, they were sitting in there. They woke up, they were just arguing. And I was like, hold on, what's going on? What the heck are you guys fighting about? The sun was coming up by then, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all I remember last, I was at that. At that big, I mean, it was hopping, big old, yeah. like raving, dancing. It was, it was awesome, you know. Yeah, yeah. Pop going on, you know. And here I was really. Uh, anyway, I was talking, and remember one thing I, I remember what do you call it? Uh, oh, I remember asking, but I told him to knock it off. What are you guys fighting for you know. And I finally asked him, then what that, what the heck is that smell? You know, like yeah. no one answered, you know. And anyway, we were head back. I got back in one of those moments. I didn't wasn't drinking no more. I didn't want to, no funds. You guys, can you guys take me home? And, you know, I get back and, like, well, where's my truck, you know? Yeah. I get home, my truck's there. Huh. And I remember looking at the side of it, and there was, like, a bunch of gack and stuff on the side of the passenger vehicle. Oh, the passenger man. door, yeah. It's just like, oh, you know? <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, I go and, what do you call it? Um, 
Well, anyway, my buddy Damon, yeah, he. Oh, anyway, he comes running in later on. I chill at my house, you know, and finally he goes, yeah. Oh, good, you made it back now. I was checking out, you got word for you, you know? And I was like, Yeah, yeah I was, dude, what happened last night, you know? He's like, Yeah. I thought we were over at the Far West. And he's like, We were, man. We were, then we went over to the, what do you call it? And then here, he said, Then you got sick, you know? And he said, You're really out there dancing. And next thing you know, you're like, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> 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 I started throwing up, you know? And then here. Uh-huh. He said, he tried to rescue me right there. He was like, all right, you're going home. And he was like, no, 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 no. He's like, I mean, I was fighting with him. Like, yeah. just his words, you know. So I'm fighting with him, you know, and he took me in, you know. Yeah. And, he, and he said, dude, he, I said, well, what happened after that? He's like, did you try to take me home? And he's like, I tried, man. But then here, he, he said, all you did was like, I said, I tried to get you home, cleaned up and everything. And all you did is, I, all I did was turn my shirt inside out. <laughs> 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 and I went back out on the dance floor. <laughs> Oh, man. Puke and rally. <laughs> so you were saying, what's that smell? That was me. Yeah, that was me. That smell was me. I'm back. Oh, man. They're here. Woo. Yeah. No, I did get into what he called. Like, a lot of things did happen, you know, like, um, the question, but yeah, I was saying, like, but the, the one black uh, changed my life, and that's when it got me in trouble and, you know, woke up in a jail cell, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened, like, I don't know. There was a lot of things that happened, like, say, going back into those realms of, like, yeah. the alcoholism, like, the bad things that happened, and bad things happened to kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of those bad things happened to me as I kind of got, as you go through adolescence, you start yeah. kind of remembering, mm-hmm. you understand things, you know, like, yeah, so. Yeah. So I was putting it around, but I definitely experienced at the result of that partying and those environments that you're put in, you know, mm-hmm. ver- or mental, sexual, and physical abuse. Yeah. Yep. And so a lot of those things were starting to, and I think that's really, it's been a really common theme in Indian country. Yeah. Yep. No. And so, so I was, yes, yeah, something did happen, definitely did happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I was sexually assaulted at a young age. Mm. And the blame was put on my mother mm. because the drinking and partying yeah. put me in that situation. So, and then with that, like, <clears throat> you feel like that experience and then that blame on your mother really kind of fed your oh. your use, your alcoholism. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like they're saying, like for me, I there was a yeah. Once I started to block, I mean, I knew even at that time I should talk to someone. I remember like thinking at high school. And I was really close to the counselors. Yeah. But then just not having the tools and mm. back then, I just think resources at the basic level weren't there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Recovery or anything, mental health and what do you call it now? Yeah. And I think we're doing a really good job at that now today for yes. everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yes. Yeah, I escalated into definitely trying a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are funny stories, too, like trying things once and never doing them again. <laughs> I remember trying one time, uh, one of our bros came back from Phoenix, um, and he said, I need a DD. I said, yeah, I mean, there was moments where I had no problem when he called it, as long as I had something else. Like, for me, like they say, I didn't, it's like, that's one of those perceptions I had, like, because, like, I didn't think I was drinking all the time. Well, yeah, because I was stoned or on uh, something else. Yeah. 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 It's like these little things in between that. Like, yeah, so yeah, I only drank on weekends, yeah. But yeah. Monday through Thursday, I was smoking, smoking it up. Yeah. yeah, what do you call it? 
I remember one time I was at uh, Pro Fair again. <laughs> he came back and he asked me to drive, and I did. And so my reward was a hit of acid. Oh, dang. And anyway, I, I think I took it at the 49 out at uh, Two Leggings. Mm-hmm. And then here, uh, anyway, I drove everybody home, dropped everybody off, parked, parked that truck, and then walked back, walked, make my way across the camp. Yeah. That sunrise, you know, and here I was trying to sneak in before my call I was waking up, you know. And yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, like, hey, what are you doing? You know, like, and it's just, you've been drinking? And I, I could honestly say, no. That you weren't, yeah. I weren't, yeah. So naturally, good grandmother put me to work, you know, so I was peeling potatoes, right? Just having people tell I was visiting, and next thing you know, some weird stuff started to happen. <laughs> 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 Talking to my grandma. <laughs> so loud, and I was peeling those potatoes. <laughs> yeah, they were starting to do, like, weird things, and I was just, and I, I was peeling, I was trying to stop, and she saw me looking at that. Do you look there? I looked up, and I remember saying, uh-uh. I just like, no. I said, I'm, I'm going to go to bed. I just went. So, man. So I went in there, yeah, and I went into the, one of the, the, the tents, you know, and it has the, the wall, the wall. Yeah, the yeah, wall yeah. tent? Yeah, the wall tent, yeah, and the, the flower coverings, remember, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I laid down, and I started looking at those, the, the the flower stuff. Yeah. And the man, it was just like. Just like moving? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just like. Yeah, and so, man, I remember thinking, oh, man, this is, when's this going to stop? Yeah, yeah. Yep, and then so, yeah, there was things like that. And I got into definitely uh, man, prank. Th- yep, Matt. What you said there, like, we said, when is this going to stop? And I said, like, every time I smoke weed, like, five minutes into it, I was like, I don't want to be high anymore. When is this going to stop? And that was, that's all I thought about for yep. the rest of the time. Yeah, and they talk about that in a lot of, a lot of recovery programs, you know? Yeah. Um, like I was saying, like, the, what do you call it? Loss of, loss, loss of control. But I don't feel that way with alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah no, Like no, say, no. you get that bulletproof feeling. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But, yeah, a lot of people, like, Nine out of ten people will experience that. They don't like it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, like. Loved it. Yeah, I love it, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but like I say, with the psychedelics, like those chemicals, mm-hmm. it gave me the feeling of loss of control, and I didn't mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yep. And then not everybody's like that with, you know. With so, anything, yeah. So, every, so I think everybody has these different quirks and balances about them. As you, over time, you, as you watch the recovery community, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Trying different things, like you're constantly high or drunk. What would you say was like kind of something where, like, oh man, I think I got a problem. Um, definitely. I think the experience with speed and the meth stuff, like for me, it enhanced my drinking. Mm. I didn't use it by itself, mm. but it definitely like you can go Friday to Sunday and party hard that whole time. Mm-hmm. That's just how I kind of look at it, speed. But I never did like it by itself. But then I think what scared me most, like, the people who really got hooked on that stuff. Like, mm. I mean, it's bad enough using it the way, any use of it's bad, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. The people who really got hooked, but mm. I got, I say got to see, but the depression that comes with those hard drugs like that, when mm. you try to get off, I stopped using it for that moment. And then I think I... One of my friends, our close friends, this girl from Harden, you know, I mean, she, suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember just thinking, like, and for me, I kind of understood that at that time I started coping with it, too. Using it, yeah. And then just not, no, it was, yeah, I definitely had a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I got a DUI one time, too. And for me, I just, 
for consequences, I just like went ahead and did it. You know, like okay, we gotta go through a hoop here. You know, like no. I mean, nowadays, like like for me, I went through a DUI, went through the assessments, did that. What do you call it? Yeah, I didn't even fight none of it. Just pled guilty. Yeah, went yeah. did the assessments, and yeah, yeah, I did it. I was drunk. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to fool you guys. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. never really cool. And I, I mean, just didn't make it a hard time. And like the lawyer was like, you probably you probably want to work. No, I was like. Well, how much is it going to cost? Like, for me, because I was working, you know, I was like, well, yeah. how much is it cost? Oh, that's it? I'll pay it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I did a seven. They actually found me. I actually told him, I, like, kind of the conversation we have now at the time, I, I told him, like, yeah, that's, this is the, this is the way I use, and they found me not chemically dependent. Like, really? Yeah, I was kind of, huh. I was kind of shocked. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Hey. Huh. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, and I, I told him, like, all the different substances, everything I tried and everything. Yeah, I was like. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. I like yeah. to talk to this counselor. Do you remember their name? Just kidding. Not, on, not live here, but <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> off the record. Let's throw yeah. them under the bus. <laughs> 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 you guys have any more questions before I get into mine? Go ahead. Good? Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> I guess what was that turning point then? Like, you're like, dang, I can't do this anymore. Like, this isn't. This isn't benefiting my life. I can't. I want something better. This can't be life. You know, there has to be something better. Like, well, what, what was that? Well, for me, it was this a judge. Yeah. You know, I said, when I woke up in that thing, mm-hmm. I had no idea what happened. Yeah. No clue. Last blackout, too. That was it. Mm-hmm. The one. I, it wasn't the one that made me quit drinking, but it was the one that, well, I thought it would Yeah. be the end. So, ultimately, what happened was I... Got into an argument with my mother, mm-hmm. blank stage. All this stuff came out we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Just full on. Just anger. Anger yeah. just blew up on her and literally about killed her. Oh, man. And so I had a felony assault charge. Yeah. And so. Now, when I read that, I was literally in a no clue why it was there. Just yeah. Had a T-shirt on, boxers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in a. Holding tank, you know, holding cell. Dang. And, but, no, we went through this whole process, went through, I mean, once they read the witty call, yeah, it was like, if you read it, you know, I'd be like, damn, this is some serious stuff here this yeah. family's going through. Yeah. Now, if I were to read it now if, in a different perspective, not me, yeah. different context, you know, like. Excuse me. It's almost, I don't know, for me, it's just like, now I think there'd be different resources to help. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For, for them, that's just the best they could do is just lock you up. Yeah. No, but I did get probation. Well, what do you call it? Deferred and what's the other one? Suspended. Suspended. Yeah. So my thought was like it's gonna be easy. Like you do three years and it's this isn't go away like it never happened. Mm. But the issue is I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, it sounds easy. Yeah, sign right here. Don't drink and drug for three years. You'll be good. Okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was two months later, and I was done. Yeah, locked up. Ended up at a regional facility. Mm. And so, so my turning point was more about getting connected, jumping through some hoops with both uh, substance abuse counseling and mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. So from there, you got the substance abuse and just kind of <clears throat> learned what was wrong with you, right? And yeah, then, no, it's, it's a funny. I mean, I think everybody in recovery goes through that denial portion of oh, it. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. 
Yeah, because I probably did most. Well, so I really didn't truly get into um, it there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was going to meetings in inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of it was going to, um, of course, all these counseling arrangements. But um, they had the the big book, mm-hmm. and the counselor. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember their names. So you know, pops, but told me to read the first 164 pages over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, oh, shoot. Oh, his name is Dennis. Good guy. And then, and then the older guy who's a mental health counselor, Don, man, I have to admit, that guy knew what to do with me. Yeah. Freaking worked me over. Yeah. I was scared of that dude. <laughs> <laughs> read no. you like a book, huh? Yep. No, yeah, that's the thing, though. It's just like, but the thing was, when I was doing that reading, you know, I was like, I, I honestly could identify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew. And the, the thing was, it's like, I knew enough that trying to stay stop, I couldn't do it. Yep. I knew that much. Mm-hmm. And telling them that I don't know what to do. I literally said that. Like, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing here. This is like the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I said, I had no clue what I, you know, like I said, there's, I had no, like, guidance until I got in. Mm-hmm. You know? I think more of the, what do you call it, like, but obviously, like, when you look at it, there's just more social issues here versus criminal issues. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because the issue what got me in there was that I, the fact, not that I was repeating violent behavior, I just couldn't stay sober. Yeah. You know? And, like escaping reality and mm-hmm. not really wanting to deal and feel with a lot of things. Yep, and then so... But you know, like I remember the thing was so. But the biggest thing was, like I said, working on that, the blame towards mom. You know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I'll just put it this way. He asked me one simple question. He said, "Cause I'm already, I'm pointing the finger hard, and I'm freaking angry. I mm-hmm. never realized how angry I was until yeah. I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I started talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah." He asked me one question. He goes, do you think your mother wanted those things to happen to you? Mm. And I honestly answered, no. Yeah. And I think right there, open a... Like, yeah. Relief. Yep. And then he goes, I don't think you belong here. <laughs> so a lot of people telling me this, you know, yeah, sergeants, yeah. everybody. Yeah. And he said, we're going to get you out of here. Mm. And... He said, but we need, you to go, we need to send you to a place where you're going to, be, you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. He said, you've been, doing, you've been working with Dennis and doing AA stuff. And, and he said, uh, what did he say? Uh, oh, so we need, to, we need you to send you to a place where you can continue doing AA. Mm-hmm. So what do you call <laughs> And he goes, you still, so, you, so you think you can do that? Do you, you're an alcoholic? And, or, I can't remember how it went, but he said, we're talking, and he said, uh, do you remember? Or do you? I said, okay, after that question, he goes, so do you think you're an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. And what do I say? No. No. Yeah. Man, when I said that, when I answered that way, man, his fist came down on that table. Like, we're sitting across, like, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, boom. I mean, it was loud. Like, I jumped and everything. I didn't expect that to happen. I was just kind of looking down. Yeah. Sorry for myself. And yeah. Man, I jumped it like that. Just looking at me. He stood up. He goes, he's like, why not? You know? Yeah. Pointing right at me. Yeah. 
It's like, do you mean to tell me everything we talked about, everything we went through right now? You're going to sit there and tell me you're not an alcoholic? Mm. <laughs> I don't know what to say. That's when those moments you left speechless, you know? Like, yeah. You have no defense at that moment. Yeah. And that's when he said, I'm going to get you out of here, you know, but you got to promise you're going to do some things. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then so he said, we're going to get you to one of the halfway houses. And so I did that. And, well, I said, all right. But I would say, okay, so I took a moment. I remember thinking, like, if I'm going to be honest about this. Yeah. If I'm, be, if I'm really going to do this, I need to go somewhere. I can't go to Billings. Yeah. Yeah, this is a stomping ground here, you know. <laughs> Playground, yeah. But at the same time, I was like, the only connection to any – AA people I had was actually visiting Helena, mm. I think in 1998. Yeah, the summer softball. Softball mm. was a big deal. Yep. And I went up there with the team and we caught up to one of my mother's old friends who she used to party with and everything. Mm-hmm. And they would say, Yeah, we're going to go see uh, Penny, Penny R. You know? Mm. And she used to be in Harden. Mm-hmm. And we, we went up there anyway. What happened during one conversation, I didn't know a clue what happened, or I didn't know a clue that she was in recovery or anything like that, you know? Yeah. I just remember Penny used to party hard, play softball, and that's what I remember about Penny, you know? Yeah. And then here, we, anyway, there was a picture on her wall, and there was a big stadium, Seattle, 1990, it was uh, AA International. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what it was, I just asked what it was, and that's what she told me. Yeah. So I remembered that. Yeah. I remembered that. And I said, maybe. I remember thinking, Penny can help me. Mm. I think Penny can help me. Yeah. So I asked, is there anything in Helena? Mm. That's the only person I could connect to AA. Recovery, yep. Yep. And then, look, by chance, man, there was a brand new facility opening up there. Mm. And so they applied, and sure enough, man, they, <laughs> they did what they said. They were going to get me out of there. Like, less than a week, I was gone. Wow. Way before I was eligible to even be gone. Wow. Like I said, they said, you don't belong here, but we need, to, we need to do some things, you know. What year was that when you got to Helena? 2001. 2001. 22 years ago. Yep. Dang. So that's you, what... Oh, go, go ahead. Good, not good. So that, like, being in an institution is what drove you to change your surroundings? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, absolutely. Like, so one of the first things when you start looking around, well, one, when I first got there, like, I hated it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Because when you kind of pay attention to people around you, especially when you get into whatever treatment and everything, like, one of the first things I noticed was, like, guys there for their third, fourth, fifth time. Yeah. yeah. And it's nothing. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't want to live that way. Yeah. Mm. I don't want that. Yeah. Then being in Helena, like, what did you, did you find your friend? Yeah. Your family? Yeah, I, and, call, yeah, I called her when I got and there. And she was still part of the AA community? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. First person I made that phone call to, and then she connected me with um, the men from that group. Wow. In that group. And yeah, you got they, to rapping, and that's how it happened? Yep. And that's where I, honestly, that's, that's the one thing of home groups, right? Yep. So the one thing I maintained through all this time is home group. Yep. So that was going to be like my next question. So got into AA, did the steps, and then eventually like probably sponsoring people as well. Mm-hmm. Did that. Um, how was it like early on? Like, like was it like I'm gonna do this because I don't want to go back out, or is like I have to do this so I don't go back out? Well, the type of AA I ended up in was uh, very structured, very 
Mm. You do this. Get up at this time. Mm. I mean, but the but long <laughs> forward looking, I always thought it was weird. But at the same time, it's just like looking from where I come from. I was pretty feral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people dog on that type of AA maybe or what do you call it this? But for me, it's just like. Call them Nazis and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But for me, it's just like, I don't know. Like it provides so much structure. I mean, to the point of where like how I manage my money. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, they're telling you what to do. I was like, well, maybe I need to be told what to do. <laughs> you know, like, well, yeah. yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, when you go, I think what the, I think that one of the biggest signs was when I was working. Well, yeah, so I tried to change some things, like, thinking I was in control. Like, my first sponsor, mm. he kind of handpicked me. But, no, I'm grateful he did that. Yeah. Because it seemed weird. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm glad I did that because he got me busy. The mm. program, but the main thing was home group. You got me busy with home group and working with other guys. Yeah, that's the biggest crucial part of it. And then, so once I got into the step work and started to, once I started to see the crap about myself, yeah, like yeah, I, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So my first solution to that, me at my best thinking, <laughs> was to fire him, and I got a different sponsor. <laughs> 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 I got a different, yeah, and I got a different sponsor, and then next yeah. thing you know, like I didn't realize that. I mean, I was so clueless; I didn't know. He was his sponsor. Oh, dang. Yeah, but no, my second sponsor, Alex, was, I was with him for a long time, but he's a little Colombian dude, but that, yeah. guy, that guy knew what to do with me. Right on. Yep. Um, but yeah, but, um, but I think the, like when you start to see the things like, when you present with these, basically these life situations, that's what we're looking at, right? Yep. I mean, it's a lot. And one of the questions that come up, right, is what, what was my part? And then the next one is, what should I have done differently? And usually that part was blank. I had yeah. no... That, right there, that's, that's my first indication that, man, I have no life skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people have been doing it for a long time, coming to key, whatever it's AA or what do you call it, yeah. So, yeah, I don't put all my eggs in one basket, but, it, but AA is still a big part of my recovery. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I definitely ventured out and kind of got into more things, yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was going <laughs> to... Yeah, go right into my next question. Was like, okay, so twenty two years, man. What today? What does your recovery look like as far as again, like meetings or cultural stuff, or <clears throat> even like the refing? Does that contribute to your recovery? Well, yeah, I think it's a lot of it's you, to be useful to others. Yep. Mm-hmm. And refereeing has been a good outlet. Well, well, for a lot of things, stress, emotions. I mean, mm-hmm. people think I'm weird for saying that, but it is. You know, oh, yeah. like yeah, like. Physical activity. Yep, physical, like running and, you know, but at the same time, it's problem management, problems, um, uh, just engaging people and diffusing things, you know. That's, yeah. that's such a huge benefit, you know. Um, but culturally, you know, that's the thing about with, like I said, I grew up with a lot of stuff, but I think my children really wanted to get more into the dancing and the things like that. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, my boy wanted to dance, and now he dances crow style. Yes. Yeah. You know. And so getting together and putting that stuff together um, – but I think I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make in early recovery is this, well, at least for native, I should say, from a native perspective, is I think they try to get too cultural. <laughs> I don't know. The timing might not be right. I don't know. Yeah. Because, um, like, some of the stuff you guys do, that's pretty powerful stuff, you know? Sweats. Mm-hmm. And, like, no, I've been I mean, looking 22 years back now. I'm, like, looking back at my first five years. Yeah. That was goofy. <laughs> yeah. And you, 
I don't know that, but now looking back again, I mean, just as you grow a little bit more. Yeah. That, man, I was one goofy. I wouldn't have trusted me with a sweat. Or, <laughs> no, yeah, no. Yeah, because they see a lot of these guys think that's what they need to be doing. And maybe, and it's not saying they don't have to. I mean, they shouldn't, but just yeah, be and, careful. No, know? I know exactly what you're saying. Like, because <clears throat> I see guys, like, that's what they came from or that's what they grew up in. So then they throw themselves into that. And they're hosting them, and they're doing those kind of things, like the ceremonial stuff. Um, but then they're not working on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to be better. They're thinking that they're hosting these things and putting on these things, thinking that it'll help them stay sober, but they're not actually doing the work. So I know what you mean. Yeah, I think a lot of people put themselves out there, and it's just more ego. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I have a good case where one of my buddies, he – put himself out there and I was like yeah it's good you're getting out there with these things but be sure you keep one foot in recovery oh yeah solid you know like you still got to show up here to make these things work mm-hmm. and I always just say like in the long run my recovery and my participation there has allowed me to be a part of my own culture eventually mm-hmm. for sure yep, to be more effective and useful you know yeah and like one of my friends I remember he came to me and he was behind me but he was still early and but he projected himself out. He's a good singer, everything, you know. But yeah. And then he said, I need to talk to you. And I was like, well, what's up, man? You know, and he's like, he's like, uh, his tribe or someone up on the high line said they wanted to get, wanted him to carry a bundle. Mm. <laughs> I said, say no. <laughs> that was my response. What do you yeah. think? I was like, say no. I was like, you're not ready for that stuff. Yeah. I was like, seriously, think about it. You know, it's just like you're just barely in there. It's like basically you're a newcomer. Yeah. Still, for lack of better words, you know? Yeah. Anyway, he went and, I mean, eventually, long story short, you probably know the outcome. Didn't go very well. Yeah. Um, and I said, said you're, these are very crit- critical things that you can be, people are entrusted with, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, and like, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's really tough, and it's a fine line sometimes how you talk to people about it, you know? And True. Because, like, yeah, I find myself in those kind of situations where I don't want to give, like, like a one, two, three, or ABC advice mm-hmm. because that's coming from my my experience. And like we always say it on here, like, what works for me is not going to work for JC. It's not going to work for Randy. It's not going to work for you, mm-hmm. you know? But then we know... Like, certain things we got to do. Like, we got to put our recovery first. But that's going to look different from, for each of us. You know mm-hmm. what I yeah. mean? But, so, when guys come to me, <clears throat> uh, people come to me for advice like that, I'm just like, man, it's like, I almost say the exact same thing. I was like, you got to make sure your recovery is intact. Like, you got to make that a priority over all of this other stuff. Because I had this one individual... First year recovery, wanted to celebrate it by going into the Sundance. And I said, okay, cool. I said, <clears throat> and then he's like, what do you think? And I said, well, you have good intentions, you know. I said, I see um, if you're not boastful about it, you're really going in there to do the prayer, the praying and stuff. I don't see anything wrong with that. <clears throat> but unbeknownst to me, like, he was, like, hosting sweats and stuff. But it was, like, what you said, it was all ego Look at what I'm doing now. Look at me. Because when he came out of that, man, he went right back. Like a week later, I see him downtown here in the streets Ooh. on meth. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa. 
But uh, like to me, that highlighted too, like that it was all ego. So yeah, man, you gotta be careful with all these stuff. It's funny that you say that though, because you know, like I, I think that's a problem that's prevalent in Native America. Not even just Native America, but I think across uh, all of society is when our lives change, right? Like we we have because I think like all of us have that natural tendency to want to lead, right? To be of somebody that that's of importance, but it has to be bridled, right? Like mm-hmm. like like a horse. You got to break that sucker before you can, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you master it. And I think like when it comes to like, I know you guys were touching on the cultural aspect, but even in the Christian side, I see that mm-hmm. young people coming out of their old lifestyle and all of a sudden they want to sit on a platform all night. You know what I mean? And now you, you have, because you have this, like the young people that like there's 10, 15, 20 people up there. Mm-hmm. And, and, but off the platform, mm-hmm. There, it's not clean here. Mm. And I think that's why, like, people have longevity is those ones that are willing to work on the inside. Mm. Because, like, whether we look at it or not, whether we're cultural, whether we're Christian, whether we're Buddhist, like, all of it is geared to make us a better person. We're not perfect, but we're working on becoming better. But a big part of becoming better is staring at yourself in the mirror and, and calling your, yourself out for your own BS. And I see two things important in your story, bro. Like, you choosing to go to Helena as a place of sobriety, knowing that that was your only connection to recovery. That's one of the main things, right? Like, is to separate ourselves from the bunch so that we can concentrate on ourselves. That's why somebody's able to walk in that same type of recovery 22 years later. Mm, mm-hmm. Is because you've attended the same church, basically. Your same home group. And that's something that the younger generation doesn't want to do no matter what walk they're in. Mm. You know, they, they don't want to serve. It's like, as soon as somebody tells us something we don't want to hear, we're boom, we're on to the next one. And basically, we become unrooted. I'm reading a book called Rooted. Right now, and this is where, like, most of this stuff is coming from, but it's like, we don't, it's like, in the, in, in the Bible, Psalm 1 and 3 talks about being like a tree that's planted next to the river. And when you think about a tree being planted next to the river, it's withstood every storm that it has ever faced. You know, there's no difference between a light pole out here and a tree by the river. But I tell you which one has grown the most. It's the one that, by the river that allowed itself to grow, that allowed itself to be nurtured, that allowed itself to not be contained in the box. But every storm that they encountered, it just went deeper to the point like where it's just standing there now, you know, and it'll be there until it's uprooted. But you look at the light poles, man, if a storm strong enough comes through this parking lot, it'll knock that light post down. They both look the same, but one's growing and one's not. And I think when we allow ourselves to sit somewhere and be mentored, you basically were discipled. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing is you're repeating the model with the people that you mentor. And I think that's one of the hugest things when it comes to recovery is to be, first of all, to separate ourselves, to get away from the old friends and old lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but also to strengthen ourselves so that we can strengthen others. And a lot of times we clear out the outside but we haven't taken care of in here. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like saying like with it. So like first, so the first time I came back was during was probably two and a half years, three years later. Yeah, and I was during the amends process. Mm. So good old Alex, he put me on the best task ever, and I was to make amends to my mother. Mm. Man. You haven't seen That's her for like two, three years? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we talked everything before that, but right. honestly, that was like the best best thing ever. You you have your script. Mm. And I, I can honestly say that a relationship, not say it was healed, but it would definitely took a different direction up to, mm-hmm. I mean, it's by then we were close up to the time of her death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think about that. That's what I like about the the men's problem. I think a lot of people are scared of it too, because I remember going through that and just talk, going and talking to people I harmed, and just yeah, some of it was cool, but some of it sucked, man. Because because uh, you get what, some of them ones where they're like they didn't believe you, uh, or they're just like they didn't accept it. No, I think they accepted. Like the men's or financial men's was a big one actually. Oh yeah, but I cruised through that. Um, but I think that part of the men's process, one of the things you're supposed to do, like. You listed off what you, mm-hmm. these situations and how you behaved. And, yeah. But the one question you're supposed to ask after that is, was there something I didn't mention? Oh, okay. Is there anything I didn't mention? Oh, mm-hmm. man. That's when you take the hot seat. And that's when you learn to sit there and take it. Bang. Yep, man. There was some. Someone. Yeah, and you just sit there. You don't say nothing. Wow. Listen to every word that person has to say. Thanks. And some things like, oh, man, I had no idea. <laughs> or like, I don't remember that. Or like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty shitty. Yeah. Dude, I'm really sorry, you know. Yeah. Like, mm. And, of course, then he asks, is there anything I can do to set it straight? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's powerful. That is powerful. Can I say some words? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, like, even, like, so, like, Paul in the Bible, too, like, right? Like, and, and I know, like, I'm doing this. I don't know how everybody is, but, like, but I'm speaking of things from a biblical perspective, but you look at the, the person of Paul, like before he was transformed, he was Saul of Tarsus. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize about all that stuff that he went through first before he became who he was. And I think like a lot of people, like we don't worry about that. But man, it, it's awesome to see because you've been intentional in your own healing. Like you, you did your program, you did the work. And then now like seeing the product of your intentionality now you're a, a, a referee you're freaking out there like you know what i mean like and i think that i think that's one of the freaking awesome routes about recovery is you coming out here and sharing your story bro so thank you yeah thank you man yeah, right I have, I have a lot of respect for all like the recovery program everybody in it you know like just i mean just listening to you guys you know like mm-hmm. i have so much respect for it you know like just like the amount of like I said, to be able to hear people's stories, like the mediums, you know, that we have yeah. like now, yeah. you know. Yeah, I was just thinking, <laughs> we talk religion, you know. I was, I was thinking, like, one of the things I used to just be resentful towards my family because they were very Catholic, you know. And just, oh, wow. But I remember going through that immense process and just yeah. getting mad at Alex, my sponsor at the time. <laughs> and I remember one time I snapped back at him, you know, and I said, I said, uh, I said you, you fucking remind me of my grandmother, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And it, at that moment, man, it hit me. Yeah. Like, people have been, all he's doing is trying to help me. Yeah. Yeah. And at that moment, I realized that people have been trying to teach me how to behave for a long time. <laughs> oh. You know? Yeah. 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 It's just it's like, oh, like, you know, like, 
Yeah. These strange ahas. And I was probably five, like I said, four or five years sober and Dang. whining around, the wind out whining of around like a little baby, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. For yeah. sure, for sure. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you about like that. Um, so like higher power, God of your own understanding, how like how, how much did that play into like just that AA recovery concept of God, like a God of your own understanding? Did that help you out a lot or was it just kind of like you already had your own? Well, that's the thing. It's like I thought, well, my first initial prejudice was my family going to church and telling me what to do, blah, blah, blah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that broke down and just like, no, just like it's just them trying to teach principal behavior. Yeah. Mm. But as far as the, what do you call it? I think there's different. So I think it's one of those moments where you think about like the problem with AA is full of alcoholics, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or things like that, you know, but yeah, uh-huh. so I shouldn't be trying to break. I shouldn't even break my anonymity, but I am, you know, so just to be, just to be of use here, you know, but, yeah. um, and here the, what do you call it? The, uh, Shoot, lost my train of thought there. Oh, high power, you know? Like, the one thing I'm grateful for is, like, no one ever told me to, like, pray about it. Mm. And my experience has been that once I've been given direction on how to handle certain things, I understood at that point I will learn to rely on something. Okay. Because, like, I don't realize I'm doing it already sometimes, you know? Oh, so. Yeah, and so like a lot of the advice I've given the men I sponsored because that's that's the one that scares a lot of people. I think. Oh yeah, the mm-hmm. higher power stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like you know what I said. No one's ever told me to go pray about. It. No one's ever told me to go do this, do that. Mm-hmm. I never had that direction. But I said, I promise you. I said, you will learn to rely on something once you start to do something different. You take you're willing to do something different. Yeah, and take action. Like, like I said, when you go through that men's process, like I didn't realize I'm like praying. Oh yeah, <laughs> or asking God to be there with me for sure. Yeah, like okay. Get me through this one. Yeah. And I like the one where it said, like, if you don't think you have faith, then, like, give you an example that you do. You're driving down down the inner highway at 70 miles an hour, and another car goes by you at 70 miles an hour. You have faith that that car is not going to run into you. You don't even think about it. It's not even a second thought. That's faith. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa. But then, like, back to, like, so I had this definition of God like crammed down my throat for 32 years of my life. So then when I got to recovery, and then there was just that line in there, and I think it's in all of, majority of the like recovery rooms, like a God of your own understanding. I was like, oh, that's it. That's all I got to believe in? Like, like a God of my own understanding. That was so huge for me. Like you said, it was kind of like I was waiting for someone to be like, you got to believe in this. You got to believe in this. But nobody ever did that. It was always a God of your own understanding. That's your higher power. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. So then that started my relationship, you know, started my belief in a higher power in God and a God idea, you know, and then that evolved into, you know, full blown that I have total faith right now, you know. You got anything there, favorite ending? See you scalding this whole time. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he looks hot over there. <laughs> no, I like I yeah, you know, I told these guys all the time, man, when somebody's on the roll, I'll just listen. And and you know, because I always learn something. I always get something out of everybody. You know, it doesn't matter if they've been in recovery for two months or what did you say, twenty two years? 
yeah, you know, you can learn something from everybody. And, um, and one of the things that we always say right here, and he already said it earlier, was that everybody's different. I think that's, that's really important to know, to remember. And you were, you were, you were right when, when you say that the whole higher power thing is kind of, uh, it's almost a deal breaker, right? Like not, not necessarily a deal breaker, but like coming in, you're like, okay, well, well, how do I do that? And if you're not really understanding yourself, oh, do I have to do all these things that I resent my family for, you know, that what they did, you know, tried to cram down my throat all when I was growing up or whatever, because that didn't work, obviously. So I think, you know, coming into your own understanding and trying to figure that out. What I've learned is that, you know, just like anything, you can take baby steps. You can take it one little thing at a time. And then, you know, you, you we kind of figure this out as we go along. Because if we knew everything at point A, then we wouldn't need things like this. We wouldn't need sponsors. We wouldn't need AA. We wouldn't need awesome podcasts to listen to once a week. Every so, Thursday at 8.37 p.m. <laughs> you know, Long we wouldn't time. need all that stuff. So to be able to allow yourself the grace to, hey, man, I got to figure this out. I, I, you know, and I need guidance and I need people to help me along and give me those things that, you know, based on their experience, people who are ahead of me. But at the same time, to give yourself grace to say, okay, I need to figure this out. And not to figure it out all in one time, not an all in one day, like, oh, okay, now I got it. I'm good. All right. Thanks for your help, bro. I'm out. So, you know, like, I think we have to give ourselves that grace, too, because for the longest time I beat myself up. Okay, man, I went to treatment. How many times? I said I was going to quit. How many times? I had, you know, certain little mini bouts of sobriety here and there, but I always went back and then just beat myself up. and like, why can't I do this? What's going on? You know why? And I think it was because I was trying to follow somebody else's formula. Mm. Like I got to do what that person's doing. I got to be like that person, and it never really worked out. But and just like you, I, I was locked up. So while I was in there, I was able to take those baby steps. I was able to okay, let me figure this thing out, because this is what I know from you know. Um, I guess from treatment and programs and all those things that you're offered. And then there's this other side of it too, like the spiritual side. And then to take baby steps that way too. And what I was taught was that when you're ready, certain things will come to you, but not to go out seeking them. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Right? Like as far as like, okay, we're talking about traditional stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do this. And, And it, I was taught that it doesn't work like that. I mean, it's good to practice your culture. It's good to have that because that's our identity. That's our DNA. That is ingrained in us. So it's good to strive for that, but not to go out, and especially with ego, because I know people who are actively using mm. and still doing those things. Mm-hmm. They never even tried recovery, and they're out there doing those things. And I said it a thousand times, and I'll say it again a thousand more. Those two things cannot exist in the same space. Mm-hmm. They just can't. You is one or the other. And so, with that being said, you know if that's where somebody is looking towards, is to be you know, go back into the culture and and the traditions and the spiritual side of it. Is to take it one step at a time, just like anything else, and not to go out seeking things like that because that's not the way they did it in the past. 
and that's not how we can do it today. And, you know, and these guys both know there's things that I've done just in the last couple of years that I don't ever talk about. I don't talk about those things because the fact that I'm going to put it out there is not important to me. The fact that I went through it, that is. Mm. And I didn't go out saying, okay, this is what I want to do. Somebody approached me and said, okay, I think this is what you, you might want to try this now. Mm. And so, okay, then I would. Or, okay, well, you're ready for this. Why don't you try this? They didn't say, oh, you have to go do this. Why don't you try this? Then, you know, a period of reflection, a period of, you know, um, prayer. For me, it was prayer. And then eventually, you know, putting yourself, being able to fully put yourself into that place while not losing track of what you've built on this other side. And so I think there's a process to that whole thing. And, you know, like, uh, like, like you said, somebody wants me to carry a bundle. I would have said, uh, if somebody asked me that at nine, 12 months out of, you know, after my first, my last drink, I would have said, probably not. Because I would have been, you know, had that trepidation about what I know about those things, mm-hmm. right? And how that could end up. Because if you're, if your heart is not into it 100%, it's never going to work. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get your heart 100% into it is by building from the inside out. Mm. You got to start with you. You know, you can't, you can't create a strong warrior out of broken bones. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just wanted to touch on that because I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, wow, I never, you know, really gave too much thought about it. As far as, you know, people coming straight out and saying, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to go straight to the top. I'm going to preach tomorrow at church and I'm going to be, you know, this, that, and the other, whatever they may do. Uh, I just don't think that's a good idea mm. because it's, to me, not only are you messing with things that are above us, but I think you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Because you're just not ready. You have to have that foundation. That, Everything is built on a foundation. Yes. No, that's what I was going to say is like true leadership is has to be built on that right foundation. No matter what you believe, it has to be. Right, like this guy, like you chose to be away, worked on yourself, like all that is like building on that right foundation. That's why you're still standing today, because you mm. took the time to build it right. Yeah, so I, like early on, like walking through some stuff, and I would, like I was joking around, like one of the things, like our early, I said they had us practice celibacy, yeah. <laughs> step, basically stay out of relationships. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Why did you say it like that? <laughs> If you guys even knew what the word meant. <laughs> what does he mean? He's using a school word. What does that mean? What does that mean? Celibacy. Celibacy. Uh, you think it's like a, what, a fruit? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not those, in season right now. One of those Asian fruits. Those exotic <laughs> fruit, fruits. It's not really oh, no, a fruit. It's exotic. not really a vegetable. <laughs> no, all these different stages that are important, you know, like things that would affect you, throw you off track, you know, like said. Oh, so. Yeah, one of those things is the opposite sex, you know. Or, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just what do you call it? I mean, we all have those stories, and that's the best, what I say, but that's one of the most common things that could throw you off track, you know. Yeah, I've seen but it said, over like, and over. Walking through, like, Stumbling block, eh? Yeah, when yeah. you go through, like, I said, I've been through it all. Divorce, job loss, 
um, death, walking through it sober, you know, like yeah. eight years sober, man. I was just nuts at the time. I married, divorced, lost a job in that. When he, oh, the housing market crashed, you know. Mm-hmm. I was in construction for a long time up there for oh, wow. eight, nine years, you know. And once the housing market crashed that year, like, yeah, it was just a lot going on. And mm. But what happened was, like, a lot of people... But I picked it up more, like what I was doing, taking meetings to oh, MCDC, yeah. doing just ramped it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Threw yourself into recovery. Yeah. Yep, just what do you call it? So going once a month, I was going once a week to certain things, you know, just yeah. stayed connected. And, and it was really interesting to get asked that question. So, like, I was like, man, I don't know how I made it. You know, I just, like, I just had to, and I just knew I had to get busy. Oh, yeah. You know, and this older guy I really respect now, he's, he's actually uh, not doing so well lately. Good guy I respect going through dementia. Mm. He still remembers me, but yeah, but just a solid person in recovery, long time. Yeah. Was a judge. And that was the other conception too. Was like, yeah. I thought these recovery rooms were just to be like, my perception, like I said, was the drunks and hard and walking around. And <laughs> yeah, things yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's to me, that was me. That's an alcoholic. I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm, well, later on I realized like, I'm sitting in jail with them. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. But somehow I'm better than them, I'm higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, but just these things, like these moments where I was just like, um, she lost my train of thought there. But um, like having the judge in the A rooms. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But the same, like, what I thought was going to be there, but, it was, but it's full of lawyers, doctors, Ooh, yep. police mm-hmm, officers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, there's no. Discrimination. Yep. There's no true stereotype. Yep. There's the extreme ones that we see. Like, that's what we're used to. That's what sits out as the extreme ones we see. This yep. Tr- and that doesn't, I mean, go to Helena, there's white winos too walking around. You oh, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just like the stereotype. I mean, it's a lot of barriers are just misconceptions. Basically, my, uh, we call it, um, how I perceive things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that started to slowly go away. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's a term they use called, they call it disease of perception. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. I just like, what do you call it? Like, it has, it gets broken down over time. Mm-hmm. If I'm not doing enough stuff, it actually comes back. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing, too, I had to, had to learn right away, too. It's like, just because I handle the situation doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. Oh, uh-huh, true. Because yeah, I'm a creature of habit. I do these things over and over again. Mm-hmm. But how I remedy them, that's what has to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I still, I understand today, even after 22 years, that I still think the same way. Oh, for sure. And if I'm not doing what I need to do, I still behave the same way. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, you know. Yep. And people think they just knock it out. Yeah, some people do come and, and knock it off and they're good, you know. But for me, yeah. for me, for me, mm-hmm. I had to go the really extreme route of very structured path of mm-hmm. oh, recovery. Oh, for sure. And I think along those lines, like, I had to, like, uh, I was getting to a point where I was starting to, like, judge people that went back out. Mm-hmm. Like, getting pissed off at them. And, like, I wouldn't ever really say anything to them, but just on the inside, like, oh, man, they're weak. Or, you know, even, like, just, oh, man, they're just being whatever. But I had to flip that and be like, and that could easily be me. That could easily be me going right back out. Cause that that is me, you know. Where I'm, I'm, I'm no better, you know. It's the fact that I'm trying to work this honest program, and they decided not to. 
it's just that just that quick decision, just like that. You know, that, that that's humbling. I try to be humble like JC here from his story. Because I'm the humblest. <laughs> um, you know, let me, can I say this real quick? Is yeah. uh, You know, when I used to have to walk to work, I'd walk down to the bus stop, and I'd have to be there early. So I'd walk, and in the wintertime one time, it was just, man, like February. It was like 10 below or whatever. And I walked in front of one of these storefronts, and I seen somebody curled up like in the doorway. And I, I, I kind of stopped. I looked down, and I thought, man, is this guy dead? But, you know, I can kind of see him moving, and you can kind of see that his breath, yeah. that, you know, that smoker, that vapor, whatever it is. Uh, damn, and I, you know, I thought about that. and uh, Later on, I was with my mom, and I was telling her that story about how I walked by there, and I seen that guy in that doorway. And she said, oh, man, I'm so glad that isn't you. And I said, but that was me. Mm-hmm. That was. That is. Yeah. On some level, that is. Mm-hmm. And so to remember that, man, that, and that's humbling right mm-hmm. there, right there, because just by choice, just by certain choices that I made and decisions that, I, you know, I had to make. And then, of course, things that are kind of forced upon you at the time, like, oh, man, where am I at? Why am I here with these guys? You know, like, I don't want to be here, but there you are. And so moving on from that, like, it could have went the other way. So I think it's important for me to kind of remember, like, that is me. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, there's a very thin line, real thin line between, for us as addicts and alcoholics, there's a very, very thin line between life and death. Mm. And we have to take that seriously. Ooh. Yeah, definitely. Even just talking about it right now, getting the goose chills. Yep. Are you getting the... Loose flesh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just yeah. the being around long enough, you just—I could put names to people who didn't make it. Oh, for yeah. sure, man. Yeah, 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 yeah you know, we all can. Yeah, yeah, we all. It's just like it's very—it's it's deadly. Yeah. And I just—I think I've said it on here a couple of times too. Like I, the guys I used to party and drink with, like I was worse than they were, but I've buried two of them. You know, I'm just like, dang. Well, even like. Some of the people I recovered with, like early on, I thought I had. It was a good group of us young guys mm-hmm. there. This group I was in, you know, and yeah, yeah, and then shoot, a couple of them are gone now, you know. Yeah, yeah, suicides and things yeah. like that. It's just you know, I think there's only two of us left out of that whole crew. Yeah, yeah that's continuous sobriety. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm grateful though. Like say, for me, I, I mean, I blessed to be. Once I got into recovery, I'd never experienced a relapse, you know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's a trip, though. And just to see, but actually, I don't blame people. I feel bad for them. But, like, but I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm still here. We're still here, you know, when you need us. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I used to, you know, be judgy and all that stuff. Too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, talk, real. talk shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just, you know. Like, Especially when, like, when you're in a group together like that, you know. It's hard not to be... Kind take it almost, personal. Yeah, take it personal. Well, again, again, it's just ego again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still. Yeah, and you'd, you'd like to think that, oh, man, I really care about that person. But then, like you said, like, where does your ego come in? Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's a pretty hard thing to check a lot of times. Trust yep. me, I know. I've had to do it a couple of times. I know, man. You've you only had to, work to do on it that. twice, though. <laughs> <laughs> only had to do it twice this year. <laughs> only had to do it twice this week. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You really need to work on yeah. that. Yeah, so <laughs> son of a. Yeah, so over time, yeah. 
Still got some. That's work. one of the things that kind of prevented me from doing a lot of uh, the stuff in, in a clinical professional setting. You know, so mm. back in two, I went. So over time, as stuff progressed, I went back to school, got my two years in science, mm-hmm. and then next, you know, I accidentally. By magic, there's a baby on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally. Yep, the stork was coming, and so I went back to school, got, I continued school, got a, a bachelor's in business from Montana Tech, and, you know. Come on. Yeah, but I went back in 2018 to uh, MSU Bozeman and got a master's certificate in addictions counseling. So oh, I thought come I was on. ready, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but then at the same time, it's like, man, am I really ready? Like, yeah. You know? You yeah. went back on campus or online? Online. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, but the lady, there's just been going, a lot going on with the whole, I mean, like I said, I've been coming back more and just like, well, just naturally like started a family, you know, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, been blessed with that. Um, the children, you know, the best partner to go navigate this with, you know, with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The teammates for kids, you know. And, right on. But the thing that has been able to really bless us with that the kids want to do things culturally, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so been able to support that. And then, yeah. Like I said, then I didn't realize, like, how homesick I was. I went to Algie 4th of July yeah. last year. And, man, just the old singing. And I just started the push dances. And, oh, yeah. man, I was just like, I didn't realize, like, how homesick I was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just glad. And then people were of course, yeah. It was a small community then; it still is. Yeah, tight. People remembered me. I was just like, I felt bad. I mean, I was able to say, "I'm sorry, I don't remember you," and then they say who they are, and like, "Oh, okay," you know. But like, yeah. a lot of my good classmates, the ones yeah. that are same playpen, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same playground, you know. But I think a lot of the stuff, like, so like actually being recruited to go back for MSW program, oh, yeah. through Carroll College, and I'm just kind of weighing that out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've been more. Interested more is kind of listening to, kind of catching up to old uh, friends. Yeah. When especially, and then the ones that are struggling, just kind of hearing those stories that, man, I never heard. So one that really caught my attention lately was definitely the MMIP realm. Yeah. MMIW. And, man, I, I thought I was just going to catch up to my bro for breakfast, hang out. And then I heard this story, like, Freaking rocked me, man! Like I never mm. heard it, never heard anything like it. Yeah, because I always think this issue. You just think of oh, the poor moms, the poor grandmas, and mm-hmm. but to hear it from a grieving father and mm. things like that, like I mean, yeah, I think for once I was like, I don't know, my eyes were like I was speechless. Like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, like this is. I hope I never have to experiencing like that. Mm-hmm. But to hear it and listen to a father and son cry for their sister and daughter. Yeah. You know, it's like, it just floored me. And, yeah. Um, I said, I mean, I don't know. I said, there's just such a huge, big problem. And mm-hmm. I think it's easier to pull this stuff off where we're from, you know, back home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whatever's going on, you know, like, I don't know. But just to hear the different policies and lack of law enforcement lack i mean still there lack of resources you know? oh yeah for sure yeah and i think again we talked about it a lot on this uh podcast from time to time like about how there's like a great healing needs to take place mm-hmm. you need 
people to facilitate that healing too. So, um, and I see us, you know, doing something, you know, down the road here shortly to help kind of start that movement of healing um, within our own communities uh, on the reservation. Uh, but yeah, I just want to thank you for coming in, man. Very powerful story. Very, I mean, you know, every time we visit, man, we're laughing and goofing off, joking around like little kids, you know, especially like when we link up at conferences, <laughs> sitting <laughs> yeah. around giggling, laughing and stuff. So that that's always a, I knew it was going to be a good one when you came on today. Uh, do you have any questions for us? Yeah. I know since you're you're like our OG, man, 22 years recovery. I think all of us put together don't make 22. Maybe we do. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody's silently counting. In know, right? <laughs> we, we got you by one year. <laughs> well, the, in October, it'll be 23. So does that count? Yeah. Oh, for a couple months. And yeah. We'll get you. And we'll get yeah, you. Oh, no. No, September. Oh. September. September 9th is my yeah. recovery yes. birthday. Red Road. Winning. Yeah. Anyway, questions for what us. Up? <laughs> So, um, now we kind of talked a little bit before we started recording, huh? We had a really good jam session there. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I just kind of went into the history and everything, but no, for me, it's just like saying like, that's what I say, like I said, great respect for this, this group you got here, you know, mm-hmm. three amigos or <laughs> the triad, the, the triad, triad, <laughs> triad, all three of us, uh, three of us, <laughs> the, no, like to say like, it's just the like native trinity. but even just like the availability of like these type of mediums like how we didn't have that you know like Mm -hmm. it's just like i know like for me like it's just something i know i can turn on and like yeah i'm right where i need to be i feel at home yeah yeah you know listening to you guys just joke around and talk and you know no. Sound like Troll Fair Camp Criers and <laughs> <laughs> all that joking and stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, but just thinking back home, like say it just gives me a piece of home and like I want to be more involved oh, with what's going on back home here, you know. And mm-hmm. that's part of the reason I'm down here right now this week too. So yeah. aside from referee. Um No, but so like like who's like is it, I mean, who sparked the idea? Like so out there again, just so it gets it on the air. Yeah, yeah no. Um, so it was 2019, and I had you know kind of this vision to like be on radio or disc jockey or something. It's something that I always kind of I guess like bucket list or something I always wanted to try. And the previous pastor here, Reverend Mulberry, um, I t- shared it with him. He's like, "Well, what if we do a podcast?" It's like me, you, and then somebody else, and. I'll buy the equipment through the church and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, okay, cool. So he bought the equipment and we started like, uh, started the process. Like just like coming here to the church and visiting, um, and like this, just put the headphones on the mics and like listening to ourselves talk. And we didn't record. We were just like listening to ourselves talking and had some topics and stuff and trying different things. Uh, we did that two times, I think one or twice. And then we couldn't link up again us three dudes like we couldn't link up like it was always like like we couldn't it just wasn't happening and the pandemic hit and then like uh that pastor he left and then um so i was just kind of like okay it's not gonna happen it was like something we tried it was it was cool um but it's just not in the cards so i just kind of let it go i just like shelved it 
And then um, 2020, that summer, um, we were part of this cross-community reconciliation. Uh, it's like, a, anyway, it's a group. It was a workshop um, over a whole year trying to get, like, native uh, native professionals in this community and white professionals together and, like, see their similarities and stuff, bridge building and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, for that group, I was one of the facilitators, and I recruited Randy and JC. Uh, but me and JC were, like, you know, hanging out during the pandemic on the first initial parts and, like, going golfing and stuff and just having a conversation about recovery. And he's like, then we had the idea. JC was like, hey, let's have a part. Like, we should do a podcast. I said, man, you know what? I was going to be part of one. And I had all, like, the intro and outro and stuff on my phone, so I had him listen to it. And then, like, then Randy was part of that CCR. All three of us were. And then we started rapping about it. And then Randy said, he said, man, we should do a podcast. I mean, JC looked at each other like, man, we've been talking about it already. And so, so let's do it. And I said, man, I said, the church got some equipment. I'll see if they'll let us borrow it. And that was, like, like summer, huh? Yeah, end like of summer, end of, of summer, twenty twenty, and then we started meeting for coffee uh, at the end of September, October. We're just sitting around at a coffee shop, just talking about whatever, you know, just trying to see if there's some chemistry there. And man, we had a blast. Yeah, we'd have fun, you know, just just shooting the shit, laughing, joking around. Man, we got we I think we got we have a podcast here. So then we just just launched it November fifth. 2020. 2020, baby. Yeah. <laughs> co-champions. <No. laughs> Two-time co-champions. <laughs> so the best way to do it is just to do it. Just do it, exactly. And yeah. then, like, we went into it and it was like, hey, we got to dedicate, like, one day. So we figured out, we went through, all, all three of us went through our schedules and, then, like, Thursday worked out for all of us. And we're like, hey, we got to commit to this night. It's Unspoken Words Night, no matter what. And I think all three of us made sacrifices, even like jobs or even like, um, like money wise too. Like getting asked to go speak somewhere, like no, I can't. I got I got to record. And even with JC's job, he's told them he's like Thursdays. I got to be out here at four. You know, when he went into his interview, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one. Okay, when I switched jobs, and they said, okay, is there any day that? You know, does this schedule work for you? And I said, that's fine. But on Thursdays, I got to get out. I said I had to be here at 4. Or between 4.15, 4.30, I said, that's the only time. And she said, okay. And then that general manager actually left. And they were trying to, there was some hints about it. And I went to my immediate supervisor. And I said, no, I, I told you guys this from day one. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I know, I know. Don't worry about it. And then they just, Thursday, I'm I'm here. I'm, uh, well, oh, I was going to say perfect attendance, but I was late once. <laughs> He's the only one Tardy. that's been here in person on all of them. It's me and this guy. We got to travel and stuff. But they, they call That's the too. spirit bead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, what the? Okay. But yeah. Humble. True and like, humility right there. Yeah, there's <laughs> unspoken words, like just being here, recording it, taping it, and even just listening to it. It's it's kept me sober this past. It's part of my recovery now. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, for the past three years. Yeah, how I look at you guys as stuff, like I say, it's definitely spiritual in nature. You know, like, oh, yeah. yeah, you guys like have a message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, first met this guy up at is it NADC 
You had uh, Buick. Yeah, Buick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like I said, just kind of these weird crossing the paths, you know, but yeah, yeah just kind of really hitting it off. And yeah, so that's yeah, interesting to see where a lot of people's recovery is taking them. So, like, yeah. And then, like, you're at LAC, right? Uh, I was. Uh, I had I needed to take the test and I never took it. Mm-hmm. But they so said you found something similar that worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you said there's all these different yeah, different ways to help, you know? And yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was just. Like even like the peer, I don't know. Peer support. Are any of you guys those? Yeah, I was. You was? Yeah. And you let it go or what happened? Yeah, so I stepped away two months ago, but I did it for about two years almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one that, you know, really connected me with that uh, area of work was this guy, Mm -hmm. was Josiah. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything like that in that realm where you just just recover? I'm not an expert in anything. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. (laughs) <laughs> He's a mentee. He, just, he stayed at a Holiday Express. As, as the TP Holiday turns. Inn Express last night. I Two ibuprofen with every prescription. <laughs> <laughs> Two ibuprofen. Call me in the morning. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I know are useless facts. <laughs> and no, look, man, I, I, what I can bring to this is experience and truth, mm-hmm. and I can, so. and I bring put my heart into everything, and I, like for me. The biggest thing is to help, like just to help somebody, you know, and I and people that have been listening to this podcast heard me say this a thousand times, too, is that I want to help people avoid the things that I went through. Right. Like just avoid that altogether. But if not, if you already went through some shit, then I can let them know that, hey, you can come back from that, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can start today, like right now, if you want to. But you have to choose. You have to make that conscious choice every day. Every day. Today, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna drink. I'm gonna do the best I can to improve. I know I'm not gonna be perfect, but I can make progress. And that's all you got to do. And now it's like so ingrained. I think in, in, in all of us that it's a lot of those things are subconscious now. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to wake up every morning and say I'm not gonna drink. I know I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. It's like, like not even a thing. It's I mean it's still there. Oh, it's I a mean, thing, that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that voice is still there, but we're just not. It's not on that conscious level anymore. And so I, you know, to help other people get to that point and say, hey, man, life is fun. Life is fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, and you don't need all those things because that makes it the exact opposite of it mm-hmm. in reality. And you know, you can do all these things and. Like you were alluding to earlier, man, every once in a while, the wind's going to blow. But we might sway a little bit, but we don't have to break. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just to give people that hope, to give everybody that, that idea that, you know, you, that old cliche, if I can make it, you can make it. And I know that's true. I know that's true. Yep. Yeah, the. Like, yeah, I always like to tell the guys that are coming through, and especially when I'm up at the podium and stuff, talking and speaking, yeah. I still do a lot of that, too. Yep, that's the only time you'll probably catch me with a shirt, jacket, and tie. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, that's just how I was brought up mm-hmm. and still do it out of respect. You know, oh, like yeah. Say, but it's the same respect that I have for you guys, too, you know, just how, what you guys do weekly. And you're here, you know, sharing the message. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, you know, like I said, yeah, today has been – it's. No, this is awesome. You know, glad to be here. You know, definitely glad to be sober and like I said, be back in this community and just kind of see what's going on. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Especially well, be back in 
are back around my native brothers and sisters too. You yeah, know, that, that's been yeah. really because yeah, I know right now as we grow, they need at least professionally. Like, I want these other extra resources to show out there. Like, there is a good life to this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like the laughter yeah. that we <laughs> just tonight. You know, all the laughing we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, it's like you have to. I, there's a lot of people I can do that with back home, but like here, it's like that whole. Yeah, really it flows different. True res, you yeah. know, like big Indian, big Indian laughter. <laughs> <laughs> big belly Indian. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> All resy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I've been thinking about this segment in my brain. It's been going off, and I think I want to launch it with you, Kev. Like, it's just like, like call people, like on the show. And then since, that'd be cool. Like, you're all the way in hell on. We'll just call and check in on you from time to time. Maybe like a couple times a month. Just do like a five, ten minute segment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be great because I know a lot of good native sobriety people out there, you know. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. And I have some really good, I could think of a couple names right now. Yeah. And yeah. You could just, we could line it up and then like we just call you and you could be with them and then it's like, hey, I'm sitting here with so and so, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Almost like a news broadcast type. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the field. In the yeah, field. Yeah. Checking in with Kevin in the field and Helena. I'm home with my chickens, all 18 of them, my two bloodhounds, and a field full of gophers. Gophers! No, that's our highlight with my um, family and everything. My wife and kids, you know, just like, I'm probably surprised I don't get chicken memes coming in. (laughs) Cats, cats, that's the other one, too. I I thought I would never get a cat again. I love that damn thing. Mm. Clover. <laughs> Clover. You got a bunch of cats? Yep. So I always mm. say, well, how come you didn't want to? I finally told my son why I didn't want a cat no more. Yeah. My first cat, my only cat, Rambo, oh. was ran over in front of me. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Traumatic. That was, that was one of the resentments I had towards my mom, actually. Oh, dang. <laughs> I, I finally that's... brought it up. I just, I remember just telling her, we just, we laughed about it now. But yeah, yeah, before, yeah. I was like, that's why I never got a cat ever again. Because remember that time you, you, I told you to lock up Rambo when I was going to school and you wouldn't do it. And here you followed me out. And then here, as I crossed the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So lock P up Rambo. your kids. Yeah. Rambo, rest in peace. Rest yes, in peace. R.I.P., baby. Baga Gosa Grambush. This episode's dedicated <laughs> to you, Rambo. This <laughs> much for Rambo. <laughs> so we'll call this episode 142, Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, that was a really good episode, man. I thank you, um, Kevin, for bringing it. Pod Gotti, favorite Indian. Bringing in as always. Any last words before we close out, gentlemen? Uh, I just wanted to say that if you are ever here on a Thursday evening, get your ass back here. Yeah, yes. just pop in. Yeah, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm coming. Warm up that mic. I'm on my way. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even tell us. Just climb up right here in the alley. Come in the window. Like, oh, hey, message. <laughs> <laughs> message. <laughs> Oh shit, what is that? <laughs> is that Rambo? Yeah, we don't laugh. I can't do that. Just gave him a character. Gave him some ideas there. Yeah. Shoot, man. Cool. I'll right do. on. Well, uh, all our listeners all there over Flat Earth, we love you. We appreciate you. And all our unspoken words, disciples, keep spreading unspoken words, gospel, Billy Graham style. Ha ha hey. Oh,
We are out. Aho, Kevin. Aho.